Is it some devil that crawls inside of you? My God, hello, folks! Welcome back to the Bad Etiquette Podcast. I'm your host, Dallas Bronson. Remy the dog is downstairs getting his dick licked by himself, and I'm joined by my very, very good friend, very sweet, very sexy, very amazing Zachariah Honeycutt. Hey, what's up, y'all? How what's you up, doing, listeners? Finally, you're fucking here. Yeah, I'm excited. Oh my god, I don't know how many or if any at all you listen to, but I mentioned you not being here yet, or you not coming on yet, like every other episode. I've listened to three full episodes. Gnarly. One of those times was kind of half listening, if I'm being completely <laughs> honest with you. You know, I've got plenty it's, of it's podcasts hard, it's to hard, It's to hard already. to be interested in someone you live a block around, right. away from. You're just like, I can just go listen to him. Well, you're a very interesting fellow and a great man, and I love you. Thank but you so much. I'm the trying. The thing is, is I already have, like, so many podcasts that I listen to, and a lot of it is, like, while I'm cleaning. So that's what, a big thing. What podcasts you listen to? Well, I mean, a couple of them, I guess you could say, aren't necessarily podcasts, but more just, like, vlogs and stuff yeah. that I'll put on. Okay. Um, but I listen to like screen junkies. I listen to the kind of funny podcast, which is like, like, you know, they have a channel that's generally just like talking about movies, talking about events, talking about internet culture, you know, weird things like that. They have a games podcast that I listen to pretty heavily. Mm -hmm. Um, listening to like fun house They're They're another one that's kind of like generally everything kind of game centric, but they do talk about like whatever reviewing films i think i already said screen junkies that's like yeah. all films i that's okay. the one that i listen to like intently every intently day, which most. is very yeah. weird for me i have a few that i do not miss no matter mm-hmm. what like mm-hmm. i don't miss ari shafir's or bill burr's i listen to every single one of those it's so weird because for how much i love comedy i never really listen to like comedy based or com- like podcasts like hosted by comedians mm-hmm. it's very mm-hmm. strange because that's you know I would say that's something I'm more into generally than like, I don't know if I would say I'm more into it than film, but it's something that I actually like to do. You yeah. know, something yeah. I hope to do is comedy. And so it's kind of weird and out of character that I listen, that I don't listen to like, you know, comedians podcasts or podcasts about comedy at least, you know, but, um, yeah, I listen to that and I've been listening to, uh, you know, been trying to listen to more music for some reason, like, it's funny because I remember talking to you a couple of years ago, like, mm-hmm. oh, I can't listen to music. I just all podcasts. Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? That's so <laughs> weird. Why? And that's how I've been lately. Like, not that it's like I dislike it. I can listen to it and appreciate it and be like, man, that was cool. Yeah. But I don't get that. Like, for whatever reason, I'm going through a weird thing. My brain chemistry is changing or something mm-hmm. where I'm just like not yeah. as into music. Need I enjoy information. more. Yeah, like the information and the conversation is a lot more stimulating to me. Because lately. I think when you're young, you have a lot of emotions that you kind of have to displace and kind of understand. And you're listening to a lot of music that's um, paralleling them. And when you get older, you kind of learn to understand what these feelings are. Yeah. But now you need to put words to it. And so mm. you kind of try. I think what's happening with a lot of young adults like us is it's transforming our understanding of our emotions and thoughts into like we need we need content that people are we can relate to and they're s- stating how we're feeling. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know, I've just found as I've gotten older, I've become a lot more 
conscious of what my interests really are and what I really enjoy talking about. Yeah, there's like less downtime. We got to like pick what we're into and kind of give it a lot of the attention. Yeah. And we have less free time. Yeah. And yeah, I've just noticed that like I really love talking about uh, movies. I really love talking about comedy and I really love talking about music and stuff, Mm -hmm. too. But for whatever reason, I don't know. Like you said, it's like the stimulation, like the information, the conversational element is nice. And especially as in this little town we're in, people move away. Mm. We get less and less to do and stuff like that in Lompoc in particular. It becomes more like, you know, it's sad, but it's totally true. Like just like that element of like these are friends separated, you know, like a couple degrees. You know, I feel like, oh, like another it's not a podcast. It's more like it's a YouTube channel. But Mm -hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with Red Letter Media. Red Letter Media. Yeah, I think that um, the only time I've heard that is from you red letter media it sounds familiar what yeah is it? Th- so th- it's just a youtube channel it's uh, primarily film based they have a couple of like series that they do one is called half in the bag where it's like just you know movie reviews but it's heavily edited and they're both kind they're both these like there's a lot of people involved there's like six or so people that are regularly involved yeah but the two i guess you could say like main guys who do most of the stuff they're just these two like uh like middle-aged guys from milwaukee and they just have that charm, that like yeah. Milwaukee mm-hmm. old grumpy bastard kind nice. of thing. So it's like they're actually like big film buffs. They that's know the what they're half, talking that's about. That's the half in the bag one? Yeah, half okay. in the bag is the name of that particular show on that channel. But the, the, yeah, they're big film buffs. They make like little indie movies and stuff like that. They have like a like really goofy, like almost like Kung Pao style like parody of like <laughs> sci-fi action movies called Space Cop. And it's really funny. It's that's it's cool. cool. Um, but yeah, they're like big film guys. They love it. They know a lot. They like, you know, they'll forget more than most people will ever know, but they That's have crazy. this gruff, just like old grumpy bastard, like Milwaukee, like old head kind of attitude. Yeah. That's really funny. Especially one of the guys is named Mike. And so another thing on their channel is called best of the worst, where this is what actually got me into the channel. What they do is they, and you know, they're a really big channel now. Yeah. Um, they, 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 already before they became such a big channel had a big collection of shitty B movies. Right. And so what they do is they pick three, they watch all three of them all together and they'll film, you know, them watching it and their reactions and they'll like be cracking jokes, you know, cause they're all pretty funny. They yeah. all have like genuinely good comedic timing and stuff. Yeah. They'll be cracking jokes and that will be intercut with them talking about the movie at like a table, like a round table kind yeah. of thing. Oh, okay. That sounds good. And sounds at the cool. end they decide which of these three bad movies is the best. I know. I've heard of this. This sound, I, now it's ringing a bell when that last part. Yeah, it's really cool. It's really funny. That's what kind of got me into the channel and other stuff sort of led me in there. But uh, my original point, I guess I got on kind of a tangent describing it. But like that's become a, one of those weird things where it's like, I feel like I know these dudes so well. And it's probably really creepy and really yeah. like, you know, not true. No, but I feel oh, like I could dude. go sit down with them and have a beer right now and be yeah. like, oh, Mike, what's up, man? Like well, I, 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 I felt that I just met Doug Stanhope very briefly just for a picture in uh-huh. Oxnard. And it, I felt so normal being around him. Yeah. And I was like, oh, finally. Like, it felt like an old friend was back. I was like, oh, finally, Doug's back. He's right here. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I've been consuming his fucking content for mm-hmm. longer than any comedian I can think of. Uh-huh. Like, he was the first one that I was like, oh, stand-up comedy's amazing. Yeah. It's not just something I liked when I was a kid. Like, yeah, it's yeah. still funny and good. Yeah. So, it... Uh, this happened when I was about 17 
mm. is I found his no refund special it was just mm. on Netflix mm-hmm. and it was amazing. I yeah. was like, yeah, yeah. Oh, that you can do comedy like that. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. Doug Stanhope was kind of one of the comics like for me as well. I don't think I've, you know, part of this has to do with me, like not watching as much stuff kind of as like, like, a, like what I said earlier, mm-hmm. but, um, but Doug Stanhope was one of the comedians for me. That was like, dude, this is something seriously creative. Like this is a genuine outlet for creativity and for, you know, like really saying something you need to or want to say. And Doug Stanhope was one of the one of the people that I was like, this is more than just like being funny. And yeah, those like it moments. Yeah. You know, like no offense to any of these guys, because, you know, in a lot of circles, they get kind of shit on. But like I I, my introduction to comedy was the blue collar comedy tour. No, 100 percent. I was going to go right there because those are like those are my kings of comedy. Mm. Like that's where it started for me. Mm. That's where my introduction was. I remember very like recalling like I watched Sam Kinison then I watched Jeff Foxworthy yeah and I yeah. watched the blue collar guys and I was like that's yeah. my trajectory kind of different but yeah that was that was my introduction to stand-up comedy and like like uh uh Ron White has more than like kept up in my opinion he's like still really great he really is to, he had a recent special come out on Netflix and it was funnier than anything I've yeah, seen him do by far the funniest thing yeah. I've seen from him so he he has gone like I don't know I feel like he's evolved really well. You might disagree with this, but I I, I do watch back on that stuff and I'm like not really into it anymore. Yeah, like, no, I get it. Yeah, because well I think we're so spoiled and so overexposed to content. Yeah, it's also dated. Yeah, it, it's it not is the same. Dated. To me, I still love Ron White's material and I still love Bill Ingvall. Yeah, Bill Ingvall's the his, other one. His, his is still really funny. He used to be a dirty comic, apparently. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And when I found that out, it kind of like, I was kind of like, oh, like he got like cleaner. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, usually it's the other way around. Yeah. yeah. And I, so that kind of like hindered my appreciation for him. So I don't know if he has a new special coming out or one that just came out recently, mm-hmm. but I really want to see up. his and try to like, because I follow all those guys on Instagram still, mm-hmm. at least. I don't know about Foxworthy, but um, yeah. See, so that that's he's the one out of like the blue collar comedy tour like crew that I look back on. I'm like, oh man, I can't this. It I you know I'm not I'm not trying to you know like he he is a master at what he does. It's just what he does is no longer my thing. I guess you know. Okay. Like I look back and that just style of comedy. I'm like, mm. you know, not to be all pretentious, which I am anyway. So I wouldn't <laughs> not, to- not but just like. <laughs> You know, like I, I have found myself gravitating towards like, you know, comedians that have a little more like not not necessarily edge. I don't really care about that, but just like have something a little more personal mm-hmm. and not that this is bad. I get that. But he is very much just like an entertainer to me. And I that's that. great. That's totally that's okay. cool. He's great. at They're it, like, And you need that. But like, for example, Larry, the cable guy. Yeah, he's is an entertainer. Yeah. But he has the same formula for mm-hmm. his jokes mm-hmm. and they still work. Mm-hmm. They're still pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to see him in like a small comedy club setting yeah. instead of these huge arenas and stadium settings. Yeah. Because I think there's a lot of humor that's lost on these giant productions because that comedy is like an intimate funny group of people mm-hmm. thing not yeah. not an army yeah you know, not no. not doing it in front of a thousand people yeah that's why like you know you know a lot of this stuff is going to kind of sound like contrarian like oh i don't like them because they're big or anything like that and it's not necessarily that like it's just like my tastes have changed and like 
now that I know a little more about comedy and I've only done it once, I've only done one stand up set, but like, you know, being around that, being in comedy environments, you know, doing shows and stuff mm-hmm. a lot, like there is still very much that energy of like, you know, collaboration and just like the energy of the room is really important. And now I go back and watch old comedy specials and like, I feel that just like air around them, all the space around mm-hmm. them. And that's always really weird. Like it I remember like when I, what, what special was it that Dane Cook had? The and whole, it was like his first um, arena special. Live or um, fuck, what is it? Uh, I know, I know what, what you're talking about. And I remember just watching that, like when I was a little more into comedy and had a little bit more of kind of like a foundation of yeah. what I do and don't like and when my taste developed. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, this is really difficult to watch. It's like, really hard. But in the same breath, Dice, Dice, Andrew Dice Clay mm-hmm. had a special in the same kind of setting mm-hmm. fucking murdered fucking really? hilarious i can, you can still go back and watch it it's gnarly i wonder how much of that is literally the stage dressing because i i seem to remember that dane cook special it was like a damn near like blank stage yeah. and he was surrounded on all sides yeah. by people mm-hmm. and i wonder how much that has to do with it just on a like a on an optics level like yeah. what you see Cause I kind of remember having the same feeling about, I forget what special it was. You know, I didn't really come too equipped for this conversation, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, uh, Kevin Hart too. Kevin yeah. Hart's another person where like, I watch yeah. his old stuff and I'm like, fuck this dude really deserves what he got, you know? Like, yeah. and then I see the like more stadium stuff and it's not that his comedy got worse or anything, Sorry. but just the energy changed so much. And the it, stage it, is it, like, yeah, this feels like wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, like I know a lot of people will disagree with me on this and that's okay. And you might as well. But, um, Amy Schumer, when she first started out and she had her comedy central half hour special, fucking mm-hmm. hilarious. I love it because it was like, it was like a chick who had balls mm-hmm. and she might literally have balls. It turns out the way everyone talks about her. Um, <laughs> um, and it was just like really nice to see like a woman who didn't seem like self-conscious and like on like, Oh, <laughs> time to talk about my period to, uh, make you guys uncomfortable she was just like going for it like mm-hmm. she i think that um in a lot of ways she was opening doors for like a lot of younger female comics mm-hmm. to be as open about things that they weren't yeah, yeah. whether it you know you know i understand people are not gonna always like comedy but the what I, my point is that she had a, the leather special that mm-hmm. she just had it was really really big mm-hmm. huge and it was just like i get if the jokes are like kind of funny but when it takes like three seconds for the back of the room to hear the joke and mm-hmm. you have to wait so long mm-hmm. for everyone to laugh to get yeah. like comedy is timing and you're trying to incorporate the variable timing of the crowd's response to your joke. Yeah. It doesn't come off as good. The smaller specials are always better. You th- you said that thing about Dan Cook. I didn't like his comedy, but I liked watching him in movies and it was mm-hmm. really funny. And those specials were too big, but he had this special he did in like a small comedy club in like mm-hmm. a small bar. And I was like, wait, this guy's fucking hilarious. This is so much better. What happened? Like, this is where he should be. And I was almost like, oh, weird. He's like slumming it in like a little bar because yeah. I knew nothing because I was like 12 when this came out. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, that's the I guess that's kind of what I'm saying is I hesitate to be like, oh, I don't like, you know, just because we were talking about like, oh, I don't like Jeff Foxworthy anymore. It's like part of that is like those com- comedians like 
like got really big. The comedians that I started watching that got me into comedy mm-hmm. got really big. Like shortly after I discovered them, they were already like pretty damn big. By the time the blue collar comedy tour was a thing, they were all super established, huge comedians. At least Jeff Foxworthy. He was Definitely already like the top selling comedian of all yeah. time at one point. Definitely Jeff Foxworthy. I he had, feel like, like the most gold and platinum comedy albums. Yeah. So definitely Jeff Foxworthy, but like Bill Engvall was you know, still super big and established, but like mm. maybe not as much, not, not to the point that it got, you know what it's I mean? It's funny. They've all been in movies and had TV shows with the exception of Ron White. And he's the funniest one yeah. now. And like, to me, like a comedian's comedian yeah, still. For sure. And the rest are more entertainers, yeah. comedian entertainers. And yeah. And, I think big part of that has to do with the fact that he goes to the comedy store all the time mm-hmm. and he's doing sets there all the time. Yeah. And he, you know, and he's like just honing his craft and being yeah. a better comedian all the fucking time. Yeah. What what you said about being like a comedian's comedian, I guess that is more what I look for because, yeah. you know, like I said, I don't want to be the guy who like, oh, you do one fucking stand up set and you're a comedian, you know, like, you well, know, I haven't honestly, like. Honestly, like we d- both did stand up sets. We didn't do an open mic. We didn't yeah. do like a couple poop and fart jokes. Yeah. We did a lot of them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we did. We did at least 20 minutes each, which yeah. is like an opener or middle acts like spot time yeah. slot. Yeah. And yeah. I thought that. That was pretty fucking cool. I'm so proud of us both, have, I'm proud of you. And I thought it was so fucking cool to have the opportunity to do it in the first place. So thank you, Tim Pagan. Yeah, thank and you, And the Tim. beach. Um, it was a really cool, like, I felt almost like I didn't deserve it, but I got to have it, and that was really yeah. cool. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I guess just like returning to what I was saying is like... Mm-hmm. um keep talking i'm gonna grab something oh yeah no worries uh yeah i guess just like the the what you said about the comedians comedian you know i don't want to come off like all you know presumptuous like oh i'm a comedian and i'm yeah. what comedians I I still, comedians I still, tell, I still tell people i pretend like i think of myself as a comedian yeah yeah even though yeah but um and yeah like the the entertainer element like i just i i with comedy specifically i don't find myself gravitating towards that again no hate towards them but yeah, I just find myself looking for a little more, just a, l- a little more depth, you know. I, you know, it's it's fine. I People like what they like, and that stuff is all super valid, and that takes just as much work to do that kind well, of don't shit. don't kiss their ass. To be charismatic and yeah. stuff enough you know to what? get to that level is I so goddamn difficult. Find it. I'm really sorry. That's I okay. I had something for you, and I don't know where it is. It's okay. You can just stop fucking interrupting. That'd be great. <laughs> That'd be way better than you finding whatever the fuck you're looking for. If you just let me talk, because what I have to say is super fucking interesting, okay? Why, why don't you have a podcast? I don't know. Too nervous. Too flaky. Oh, true. Anyway. You're definitely the flakiest person on goddamn earth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Ugh. you mentioned something about you being pretentious earlier, mm-hmm. and I, I was going to say, that's not true, but before we started this podcast, he got us some beers, and he rolled them mm-hmm. beforehand, and as soon as he did that, I went, oh... <laughs> Okay. Yeah, he is. <laughs> okay, we're going to go ahead and uh, I don't know if we're going to do this, but I'm going to say we're going to do this. We're going to edit in a time code when I'm done talking about beer. Uh, so the reason for that is, is there's lots of yeast in these here. These mm-hmm. here beers, these are hazy IPAs. Yeah. So there's lots of yeast at the bottom and like hop residue and stuff like that. They're unfiltered. So you don't want to be sucking down a chunk of yeast. All right. No one wants that. All mm-hmm. right. So don't call me fucking pretentious <laughs> because I'm trying to keep you from sucking a <laughs> chunk of yeast down. I know that's never stopped you before, Woo! but 
I'm trying to save your ass a little bit here, all right? Uh, Yeah, so time code, whatever it is, make sure, edit it in, put some fart noises, whatever you do. I've never listened to your podcast. Do you do fart noises? (laughs) No. Um, But uh, yeah, I'm definitely, you know, I I, I don't actually think, so I think the idea of someone like being pretentious, it exists. There are pretentious people. There are people who You're being themselves. pretentious about people being pretentious. Yeah, I, right? Yeah, there you go. I'm, prov- I'm proving you're, you're here. fucking, um, what is it? Uh, philosophizing or uh, wa- uh, what's the word I'm looking Waxing for? Philosoph- Waxing nostalgic. No, I Waxing. know what. I can't think of the word. Poetic? Um, no, it's not poetic. You're fucking speculating on pretentious people. <laughs> I'm pontificating. Yeah, pontifi- the you're pontificating about pretentious people people <laughs> and that's all you need yeah uh, well i mean I, I guess thinking is pretentious to you fucking plebs no, I'm just <laughs> no but um like yeah i you, you know i just think a lot i overthink it's a thing i do and that you know habit kind of leaks into every part of my life kind of like the conversation we were thing. having earlier i overthink like a fucking fiend oh maybe it is a bad thing everything sometimes it's a bad thing a lot of times it's not but um, what do you not overthink? Practically nothing, really. I I have just a absolutely like relentless inner monologue. Well, it looks like you weren't thinking when you dressed yourself. So oh, there's that shit. So I wanted. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Fucking. And it looks wrecked. like you don't think very hard when you're. It looks like you're not overthinking when you're picking glasses oh from fucking. My mom just Costco. Called. She says I have to go home. <laughs> She says dinner's ready and I have to come home. To Colorado. <laughs> to Colorado. <laughs> Fuck. How did you know she moved back? Did I tell you that? No. She actually did move back to Colorado. I'm out here all by myself. Oh, oh, oh I Heather. did know that. Yeah. I thought you were saying she moved back to Lompo. Oh, okay. No, no yeah. I knew she lived there. Because you were like, I miss my mom. I miss my mom. No one spanks me. Yeah. Heather doesn't spank me anymore. You know, I don't want to <laughs> be spanked. Yeah, I don't like it, honestly. Like, I... I'm always so. I'm either pre sharding or post sharding when I'm having sex. You don't want to knock that loose. I don't want to be. I don't want a hand to smack it loose. Now, if I was smacking a girl's ass, I'd love if a little freaking melty surprise came out. Yeah. But, um, you can't just smack my fur patch, booty yeah. cheeks like that. Yeah. It's not fair. Yeah, I have enough ass hair that it doesn't even make the like right sound. Yeah, it you makes know what like I mean? the like. Yeah, no, it's, it's yeah. horrible. Yeah, it's like smacking like like with gym shorts on. It's kind of what it feels and uh, sounds like, you know, like yeah. like you get a little pop. It's but like a like, good, like cotton like muffle. Yeah, go ahead, uh, listeners at home, go ahead and like put a paper towel on one hand and then like clap and see if you get the same sound that you get when you clap with no paper towel between your hands. You won't, and that's what clapping my ass feels like. <laughs> and I don't like it. It's not good for either of us. So don't spank me. If we're ever in a situation where you're bare ass spanking me. Don't do it, please. If you're if you have the opportunity, don't. All right. All right. Um, I almost don't know where to go from here because you're so easy to talk to, and you talk <laughs> enough for both of us. Mm-hmm. You fucking overthinker. Yeah, yeah. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, no. Seriously, genuinely, I'm really happy to have you here, and I'm, I'm really happy to be sad here. Sad that it took so long. Yeah. But I'm just ecstatic to have you. Yeah, me I too, love you, buddy. I love you too. I have known you very long. Yeah, it's gross. I've known you for long? nine years now. No. I was 15 when I met you. No. No. Carl's Jr. was 15. 15, 16 years old. I was in high school. So eight or nine years now. 
He's holy he's, shit. He's, You're right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just. How does that make you okay, feel? Okay, moving on <laughs> from that shit. That <laughs> is about to send me into a fucking panic attack. No, <laughs> have more beer. You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, damn, that's wild. That is insane. But anyway, the listeners don't have any context for that. They don't know yeah. me in our relationship. So let's not talk about it too much longer. Maybe 30, 40 more minutes of it. That should be fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> How many pieces of toilet paper have you eaten? Eaten? Eaten from just oral sex. Like uh, ballpark. None, 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 I gotta say. No, I, I've never... Uh, well, I mean, maybe, because, you know, girls use it to wipe their their vaginas as well. So maybe maybe there's been some uh, toilet paper particles that I've accidentally ingested. But I, I gotta admit, I've never eaten ass. I'm a coward. You know, I share the memes and I talk about it, but I haven't eaten ass. I haven't done it. I mean, I probably would, you know. I don't think that my uh, my lovely fiance would want that. I okay. know she wouldn't. So that's if she fine. did, and she was like pointing like, hey, yeah, eat I'm this there. now. Yeah. Do you ever just fucking try? I will fucking scrape your toe jam out of your toes and just fucking put it in a blender and suck it down with some coconut oil if you want. Whatever. I don't know. Yeah, whatever makes you a nut. Yeah, I, I am not a selfish lover. I haven't eaten ass, but if you say jump, I'll say how high. If you say eat my ass, I'll say with what utensil. You know? <laughs> um, Bib on. <laughs> <laughs> Milady. Um, yeah, so I don't I don't think... I, I may be at like an eighth of a square, maybe. Eighth of a square. Yeah, you know. Because I gotta dry up when they pee. This is a PSA for all ladies out mm-hmm. there. You didn't get it all. There's still more toilet paper pieces down there. Oh, don't blame them for that. That's hard. That's like a that's that's a lot. Are you placating? Are you saying women aren't capable of something? Oh shit! I got bamboozled. You got fucking fuck! I'm sexist now. God damn it! What do you mean now? What about the last thirty-two years of your life? Thirty-two. I'm not thirty-two. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, that's a, it's it's a different hole than the hole you and I have. Our pee hole, that's not a problem. We don't got to even wipe that. Well, listen, you know what? Maybe you're right because I have so many goddamn dingleberries. They well, cause... Hold on. Oh. I'm getting there. Okay. All right. So our pee holes, that's not a problem. We don't okay. have to wipe that. No, it's true. But hole, I got a lot of hair going Me on. Me too. Dingleberries, they are a problem. It's a berry patch yeah it's it's a problem i'm sorry if you're if you're if that offends you but it's something we've got to fix america oh i'm sorry if you're a little bitch and you've never seen someone with dingleberries before and you have to go urban dictionary what a dingleberry is um so i would say that while we have the hair problem and we catch berries on them yep the 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 hole is different you know for for a woman it's moister it's larger than a butthole. Are you saying your girlfriend doesn't have asshole hair? Not that I've seen. She has blonde. I just blend in. Um, it's, it's probably like those micro hairs like on your nose. Oh, like the little peach fuzz? Yeah, yeah. That's Except all. it's not the peach fuzz. It's the pear fuzz. No. Oh, hey. Or, well, peach actually, no. Peach is more oh, because Oh, oh yeah, okay. You're peach, right. You're yeah. right. Because the emojis yeah. like for your... Maybe an apple, you know, apple, apple bottom. bottom. Jeans. Yeah. The apple, but apples don't have fuzz, so they don't. Pears don't have fuzz either. They don't. 
They don't. They don't, no. But peaches do. So peaches are correct. Nectarines do. Kiwis do. Oh, you don't want a kiwi. If someone has a kiwi, Strawberries get do. the hell away from me. What? Keep what? No, no. I mean, if someone shit looks like a kiwi down there, get the fuck away. Oh, from I me. thought you were just generally besmirching kiwis. No. Well, I am allergic, so. Oh, well, that's that's one thing. I I, like, I'll forgive you. For I that. have this strange, like Pacific, kind of like tropical, like fruit allergy, and I don't know why. Interesting, huh? Like my tongue just like gets kind of swollen and tingly, and like my mouth hurts, and it sucks well a lot of people have that with pineapple specifically because it's super acidic and like astringent so maybe i'm just a little bitch well i mean if your tongue's swelling though that's different well not like i can't breathe swelling but like mm, great now i have to like think about this because it's in my mouth oh gotcha and you might like bite it or something yeah yeah that's one thing that's for sure one thing i think if anything it's just like a my my body's like less acid i think my body's always like less acid dallas Yeah. yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) but where the fuck were we what were we talking about dude we're just having a conversation doesn't have to go anywhere true Uh, i I like talking about dingleberries because you said oh i'm getting there i did but you did not go where i was going did not get there you did not get there so i have so many dingle this is this is um hashtag secret time yeah as per kreischer would say yeah um i have these dingleberries and they get clumped together with other hair and they feel like I have like wires in my fucking ass crack and genitalia and my gooch. And I have to grab the little pube dreadlock that's and succumbed just, and just whoosh, and yeah. rip it out. And sometimes it's like a no, like a snap that yeah, comes I know off exactly of me. What so this is the when first I was like, moment. Well, I'm sorry to interrupt. The, no, okay. I was just going to say this is the, one of the first moments after many years of knowing Honeycut that I knew that I wasn't better than him. Yeah. I was, oh, we're the same. We yeah, are the same. We're the same. We're the same. We're many of the same. Yeah. I remember one of the, like, I got like butthole hair before I got like pubic hair. I don't know if that's a common thing or what. I seem to remember getting butthole hair before pubic hair. And I would just like, I'd be laying in bed and I'd be watching like the rescuers or some shit <laughs> like VHS that I've been watching for years. It's all fucking worn down or like the mask, the Jim carries yeah. the mask. I watched that shit on repeat. I love that. Man. And just laying there, grabbing in between my legs and just ripping them out, just going, 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 ripping them, rip, 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 get out of here. You know, like, yeah, just twist, you got to twist, you got to twist them to get yeah. like a collection going. Yeah. You got to get more than once. You got to be it's, efficient. It's like when you're getting, I'm not sitting there all day ripping out individual hairs. Okay. Yeah. No, it's like when you, um, get spaghetti noodles, like you don't just take one noodle at a time. You like fucking like yeah. you just twirl them up yeah. with your fork and then you get a bunch at a time and just yeah. stick them in your mouth. Just yeah. like with your pubes, just like with your pubes. Yeah. So there you twist them up, you get a little like flower, you get a little dandelion of pubic hair and you just blow them into your partner's mouth. When they're sleeping. When oh they're man. Sleeping, yeah. They never know. They never know. It's dangerous when you kiss them though. Yeah. You always get a little backlash. Well, I've Look. done it enough that I've built immunity. I yeah. Think. It's not like whatever virus is laying dormant in my shit hair is, uh, one I've, you're one with it. Yeah. I've, I've, I've become immune. Yeah. yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. Very nice. It's like a paintbrush sometimes, those dingleberries. It like really it mats your hair into like it's a paintbrush. Crazy. And you gotta like, 
dip it in a cup of water. Oh man, I have to, I have to like go twerk into a bath yeah. sometimes. Like I mm-hmm. just have to like booty pop like and drop. Like I don't know if you've ever <laughs> uh, been to a strip club or like uh-huh. had a stripper when they like fucking drop their yeah, shit yeah, yeah. on your lap and it's just like boom. You just it's just like. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> I spilled so much beer doing that. It was not worth it. Okay, so seeing what he just did, I know that it's not that gross, but I can imagine the sound is quite unsettling for listeners. Look at the here. yeast on the bottom of this beer glass yeah. is gross. Yeah, it is. I didn't need to see that. See, that's why I rolled it. You, you didn't roll it enough. He rolled it like... A back and forth across the table here with the mics. Like, I keep leaning in and out of the mic. I'm you sorry. can move If you want to lean back, you can move the mic back there. It'll, it'll go you back. Know, I'll do that. Yeah, because... Because like I was leaning over here, we can talk. We can start having like a serious conversation some, someday. Here, excuse me, let me move these mics, folks. Yeah, we gotta move back. I keep leaning back. And yeah, forward, there we go. And back. And you can tilt it down a little more, yeah, make sure. it a little more level. No, no, I meant like the mic. Yeah, yeah there you go. You, oh, you got it. It might. You. Hopefully, it doesn't drop. I yeah. see what you're doing. He yeah, knows yeah. what he's doing. He's Angling. held a lot of microphones before. It's true. It's in true. a couple bands. Yeah, yeah. One of them was the most exciting band on the central coast for at least a year a, a solid year of excitement and i know that the, they were a band longer uh-huh. but there was never a show more exciting that you could go to on the central coast than a bad day show i gotta say i look back on our like live shows and stuff like after we kind of got in our groove and yeah. we stopped having like that awkwardness of like a new band and stuff mm-hmm. i would uh, like this may sound cocky, but I would kill to like see us. Like I would love it, the show. We it, like as your guys's friend, it was so easy to be a fan because mm-hmm. you guys were so exciting, mm-hmm. and it was no longer like quiet Cole up there mm-hmm. playing guitar, and it wasn't like you know smoldery handsome Nate, mm-hmm. and it wasn't like Chris, well Chris is the same on and off stage. That fool has more energy than anyone I've ever known in my life. I don't know where he gets it, but I will tell you that when I we built skateboards together at Mm -hmm. Powell, he had a monster at five in the morning driving to work every day. Oh shit! I did that at the casino. So it was like kind of like I think he just needs that much caffeine to fuel the amount of energy he has. I also think that he has such a small stature and vessel that there's a lot of energy just that can come out of there. You know, mm-hmm. like we're both like bigger people. We do not have the, that amount. We need a lot more fuel to keep up with that much energy. Yeah, maybe. Like, yeah. But yeah. No, Those I. shows. I, no, oh, okay. Okay. And I want to mention Mike because he was so fucking amazing mm. as a bassist and was so exciting and so yeah. dangerous. Dude. But I did already have him on here and we talked about that. So yeah. I'll kind of, you know, brush over that. Yeah. Keep, I'll keep it brief breathe <laughs> keep it brief here um yeah like th- this happened with both of my bands that i've like been in that were serious i've been in a lot of bands but the, the two serious bands that i happen to get in that played mm. gigs and actually worked towards making it good mm. like both of them i lucked out in bad days just like everyone's energy like goddamn i feel i felt so much like i had to step it up and i feel like i did and really look back on that with a lot of love any of y'all who are listening i love you all and i miss those times and you're all awesome people and i'm glad that we have that together thank you good night seeing you (laughs) seeing you as a vocalist on stage and seeing your energy become transfixed and kind Mm -hmm. of like um 
what's the word? I don't know what I'm looking for. Just like the alchemy of it and it becoming like something you could present was amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know why that, that mic just drops after that, but that's fine just like that. It was beautiful. I loved how fucking crazy, how many pairs of glasses you broke. Oh, yeah. Um, and a what lot. a big deal that was. But fucking amazing. I loved it so much. And it was like, if there's any part of me that's scared of you or like knows that there's something more than meets the eye to Honeycut, it's mm. seeing him on stage and seeing these Bad Days concerts. And it's a really fantastic, uh, I like, I know none of you like the recording you guys have, that Disorder mm. EP, but your vocals come through amazing on it, and I love it so Thank much. You. It, you know, because a big part of me with many bands I listen to in music in general is how cool the vocals sound mm-hmm. and how, like, goosebumpy it makes me feel. Mm-hmm. And you have always delivered that for me. Thank you, dude. And I, it, I really I fucking to. love it. Like, I'll, I'll throw that on just so I can hear, you know, your vocals because I really, that's my favorite part of it. Thank you, man. Yeah, um, yeah, that EP, like I, I'm, like you said, I'm sure you talked to Mike about it. Um, I didn't listen to that episode. That's okay. Um, but yeah, just like that EP, like it's not as if it was like recorded horribly or anything. It's just the techniques that were used were not the techniques that would produce the kind of like sound that we that we put out live. You mm-hmm. know, we had not like super yeah. like raw like ferocious just like kind of chaotic energy and that sounded a little more clean and a little mm-hmm. not not clean but like controlled and it was like the opposite of it control. sounded more produced like yeah. it was a producer thing yeah than it was a band thing because you guys could have recorded something live and it would sound completely different yeah but yeah. i do appreciate like i said with the, how clean the vocals came out because i could kind of read lyrics and understand and like yeah yeah have the i still have like lyrics to one of the songs saved somewhere because it was such a cool fucking important song to me Oh, thank in you, a strange dude. way like it just i really love uh i can't remember the name of the song even though there's five songs on it yeah and it's like right up here um i think this is it right here if i grab it first try it is not damn it oh is that, shit. Is that is that yes it is yes it is yes it is <sighs> when's the last time we saw that well, I have one on my CD shelf, so I oh. saw it not too long not ago. Not too long ago. I like that logo. Good logo. I think it was a cool logo. Cool logo. You guys are so exciting. It might have been Collapse. might have been lyrics to Collapse. Oh, yeah, yeah. I really appreciate those. I really like those. <sighs> that but, was amazing. But, yeah. Um, yeah, really, really love that. Really miss that. I wish we had venues out here that would accommodate that kind of thing. Like... The beach is cool. I don't think they would be open to that. No. Yeah. I don't think the crowd that would be at the beach would even like it anyway. Nope. nope. I know. think that we, I would, I just have daydreams about being at shows at stages again mm-hmm. in the big room. Yeah. Even the little room. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. The little room shows were super Yeah. Sick. But we always put holes in the wall. So sorry, Mike. Yeah. Sorry, Mike. I doubt you're listening. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, that was, that was cool good times man i had a lot of fun all of y'all who if you're listening had a great time wouldn't trade it for the world i love y'all miss that shit what's the next fucking topic mr bad etiquette bad etiquette um what do we got here do we even have topics well i do i have a couple things i wanted to kind of ask you about um how you got into that music in the first place but if you don't want to talk about that yet or you want to talk about that later i have plenty more too no i'm i'm totally open to it um yeah 
So just getting into like extreme music, just like death metal and grindcore and hardcore and stuff, I kind of got into it the same way a lot of people my age, I'm 27, uh, got into it. And it was through the like kind of MySpace metal movement that sort of happened, like As I Lie Dying and As Blood Runs Black and like all the like deathcore and Christian. Black, you just brought memories back yeah, from yeah. seventh grade. Wow. All the like deathcore and like Christian metal and hardcore and stuff and like like MySpace and Pure Volume were super big. So I got into it kind of via that, like Despised Icon and like Animosity were super big at the time. But this is how much of a contrarian I truly am inside my core. I was like into that, but I never really like stuck necessarily with like the MySpace, like like the death core and mm-hmm. like the Christian like metal core, which is very different than yeah. what like lots of people know metal core to be. Metal core is one of those genres that's like there's such a huge divergence where like this is metalcore and this is metalcore, but A sounds nothing like B and nothing like C. It's one of those genres that's become like really kind of, I guess, divisive in how people perceive it. But anyway, I kind of got out of that and I was like, you know, the shit I like about this is not as much the breakdowns. I like the breakdowns and stuff, but I like the fucking speed. So that's when Mm -hmm. I was like on pure volume and I was like, everything that I like seems to have this genre grindcore in it. And I was like, I'm going to look into that. And so I got into like pure volume and filtered like grindcore and like got into like insect warfare and like weekend nachos and like napalm (gasps) death. Like the old weekend nachos was so goddamn good. The new stuff is as well, but it's very different. Um, I I still love it, but yeah, it's very different. Like you got me into a lot of those bands too. Yeah. Like you were a huge influence in my extreme music education. Mm -hmm. And I remember very distinctly having a, conversation with you about like the movement of extreme music and yeah. how i think that's going to be like our american hardcore yeah yeah and um now i don't feel like that so much and i think Not that was just much. like a, a miscalculated conversation i had but, yeah um we were young. it was fun and i still value that music so heavily and there's this fucking i forget the name of it but napalm death had an album come out like two or three years ago yeah it's amazing yeah yeah I, uh, I think it's called Apex Predator. Yes, Apex Predator. What the fuck was that? I don't know how those fuckers are. They're old. They're old. They're old they're as like fuck. They're like closer to 60. And they're ripping harder than fucking young young kids, dude. That like, shit was amazing. I, I was high as fuck one day listening to, for some reason, just Napalm Death. It sounds good. Yeah. And I was like, what's this? And holy balls yeah that shit was amazing i would lie i was like fucking yeah. cr- this is not the napa- napalm death i knew yeah and because i was like oh i wonder what napalm death are up to i don't yeah, know just yeah. some random post i saw or something mm-hmm. you know made me think about them so that was fucking cool apex predator by napalm death check it out if you like extreme music yeah definitely napalm death is one of the like you know pioneering bands of the genre literally termed the coin grind yeah coined the term grindcore yeah goddamn one beer grind I'm switching the term words coin like core. fucking cartoon character <laughs> i'm so excited there's two we got two i beers. forgot i thought i was out of beer i was already bummed heather if you're listening we had two beers that's it okay that's it that don't get it. mad at me Kylie, if you're listening, I had seven beers. Seven beers. Get extra mad at me Get and extra whip my me. fucking dick until it's raw and yes. red. Yes, and that is me that said that, not, not Zach. Me. I, no, I, yeah, I was speaking for Dallas, but Heather, if you're listening, you can beat my dick red with whatever object. No, 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 no. Heather, you can beat my dick red you can with beat the whatever Dallas's. object. No, no, no. I'm you 
So oh, I see. I'm losing track. God, <laughs> one beer and that's that's what happens to me. Dude, no, seriously, I'm fucking so salty over here right now. So yeah. sweaty. Yeah, I'm like this is the sweatiest I've ever been during a podcast. <laughs> yeah. It's this fucking alcohol and like oh, it's also been like kind of hot out. It's been a weird summer. It's been like I don't know if you've caught this, but there have been a few days where it's been super fucking cloudy. Yeah. But really hot. Like feels like a dutch uh, oven outside sometimes <laughs> i've never been inside a dutch oven but um i'd imagine it's pretty hot yeah it's hot it's an oven stupid <laughs> ovens are typically hot bro well i mean like if i do something like a quick little broil it's usually oh. like the same temperature it's like arizona outside you know just shut the fuck up <laughs> am i done <laughs> just, just can i go are we done here we're not even remotely done all right so we're gonna uh take a break bathroom break and i'm gonna fucking drink a little bit of this beer and we're gonna be right back bye okay and we're back maybe yours just isn't loud enough maybe mine is or i don't know we're having some issues with the sound at least i think i don't know shit about shit that's why i have someone else do it my very very faithful engineer jonathan lopez j-lo he's fixing this up so hopefully you guys hear me and i hear me and it's not too hot on your ears there it's not clipping or anything and it's okay and you're not just hearing zach honeycutt even though i'm not really talking oh you're talking plenty (laughs) (laughs) uh it's i mean this doesn't really account for anything but i'm hearing you fine through my headphones like Uh, i can't hear you too well now really interesting oh there we go i just turned you up a little weird I wonder what How that about is. now? Yeah, I can hear you fine now. Okay, cool. Okay. Yeah. Um, Talk. Hey, check. Yeah, okay, I, check. I can hear you fine. Okay. Okay, cool. Now yeah, you sound good. Jesus too. Christ. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, so we're back. What, we're fucking what's back. the next fucking topic? Dallas? Next what fucking topic. Well, you were ta- mentioning your other band and how you were lucky to have those people with all the energy with um you have another band. Yeah, so I'm in a band called Church Mouse. Uh, we're not super active right now, but that's kind of like a like indie rock. Kind of has some like folky influences. Kind of has some like a little bit of like I I, I hesitate to say like pop punk necessarily. It's it kind of has some elements of pop punk. Yeah, definitely but some roots there. Not as much like MTV and like Fuse pop punk. More like little more old school but yeah still still quite poppy overall though Mm -hmm. but yeah uh church mouse we're uh kind of slowing down right now but um because like lots of people moved lots of stuff has been going on Mm -hmm. i've been having bad transportation issues and stuff like that but uh yeah we've been together and that shit has been amazing that was my first band that wasn't a heavy band bad days was my first band that i actually like practiced and played shows and stuff but i've been in other bands that had like practiced a lot, but never yeah. really played shows, never really gigged or anything. And so, yeah, that's, that's really cool. I'm really excited to get back on board with that. We're still technically active, but just like, it's a beautiful thing. Thank you, dude. Cause seeing you guys, I feel like there's a natural progression music acts and comedians go through. And I think watching Church Mouse hone their craft and watching you guys come together as a band and go through lineup changes and have solid, like, the, like, single you guys released, mm-hmm. I 
unabashedly love that shit. Not just because you're my friends. Thank you, you, dude. Like, I truly have listened to that haircut song, like, 50 times. Thank you, man. That means so much. Mariner, too. Mariner is a fantastic song. I prefer a haircut, obviously, because it's, like, a little poppier. Yeah. You know, but I also appreciate Mariner because of you know the sentiment behind it as well yeah yeah i love that song that's one of my favorite songs to play live it's also one that's like really nice uh you know it's not like in a crazy time signature but it has kind of like a unique rhythm to it it's just like uh it's just like in three four i want to say but like yeah it's really nice it's a little bit of a change up although it's in three four it has kind of an interesting sort of like shuffly feel that's interesting but it's a really sad and like kind of somber song Mm -hmm. so it's this really interesting kind of juxtaposition you you talking about it makes me want to listen to it right now like that's (laughs) how like good and evocative you are with it and how good this single is and it's been out for a little while and i really appreciate it and if you guys are listening right now please pause and go on to spotify their band is called Church Mouse, and they have a single haircut. And Mariner, listen to both of those songs. They're fan-fucking-tastic. <laughs> you truly get to see. It makes me, like, warm and fuzzy inside hearing Zach Honeycutt's voice. Oh, like, singing. You, I really, yeah. Like, when he talks to me right now here, pure cancer. Pure but, cancer. Yeah. But when he sings like that, it's fan-fucking-tastic. <laughs> it makes me love. It makes me feel so warm and cuddly and fuzzy, and I know my friend. Thank you, man. Yeah, that that uh, especially haircut is more my song, like lyrically anyways, um, and Mariner's more our guitarist Nick's. It's about something a little more personal to him, and haircut was definitely like, uh, like early on when I got more into songwriting and stuff, like a lot of my songwriting was greatly assisted by my guitarists, like mm-hmm. Dylan yeah. and Nick. And then, uh, later on John, when he came in, you know, lots and lots of assistance. I, I still have never even met John. Yeah. We haven't like played a show with him yet, but he was like amazing to record with and cool. stuff. Yeah. He's a really, really great guy. I like eagerly await when we can like jam more with him. That was super, super great. But, um, yeah, a lot of my songwriting is more like communal cause I can't really play guitar. I have a little bit of theory, mm-hmm. but not, not enough. And my guitar skills are not up to par. So, uh, but yeah, a lot of stuff, I was really tempted to write a lot of sad songs and like with haircut, it was more like, no, I need to stop getting caught in that trap and like mm-hmm. write something more positive and stuff. But, um, but yeah, thank you. I really appreciate the support. Fuck yeah. Um, but yeah, that's my other band. As far as music and stuff, it's been kind of a dry spell. Lots of weird shit's been going on. It's a weird time. Lots of people are really growing up, you Mm. know, moving away, getting their own places, all kinds of stuff. So that always makes it weird and hard and stuff. Well, you have your own place. You're growing up. Yeah. Yeah. You have a fiance. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I've been really, really missing the music thing, but the comedy thing has been really cool. I've been doing more writing. I, I, I'd say... You know, my last set, I think that was 32 minutes, which That's was crazy. Surprising. 32 minutes. Yeah. I got about 32 That's minutes, fun. which was crazy. I was looking at it on the page and I'll like this. I even did like test runs and stuff, mm-hmm. but it's funny how much like it fills out once you let yourself loosen up and like mm-hmm. improv and make this like massage the jokes, make them work a little bit. Yeah. Adds a lot of time, laughing time and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But yeah, it was about 32 minutes. Um, and I've maybe this estimate clearly might be wrong. Cause I would have said that that last set was like 15, 20, you know, at most, but okay. uh, I think I've written about like five, 10 more minutes. That's cool. That's yeah. a, that's a big deal. And yeah. especially I can't wait to see what works and what you find. Cause like a hundred percent, the things I have written down are not going to 
work the way yeah. I want them to. Yeah. And I have to go find out what's funny about them. Yeah. And what isn't and what I can change. And there also is a certain aspect to us as artists or writers or whatever pretentious mm. title you want to apply to ourselves that like we do have to kind of know that like believe in what we're saying mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and keep to it and then the audience will kind of come yeah that's one thing that i've really had to like kind of train into myself because mm-hmm. again i'm a super over analytical person and i think about things a lot in terms of like when i'm watching movies i'm talking to like i'm thinking about like pacing yeah. and like i'm thinking about that scene that happened 20 minutes ago mm-hmm. that little uh little bit of like visual information that like oh what's that how's yeah. that gonna play in oh yeah no and i tend uh, to think you of, know what the way you overthink you say you overthink that's how i am in movies and mm-hmm. i sometimes ruin movies for myself mm-hmm. and since we're talking about movies we can jump right into midsummer because this is one of those occasions where i had r- kind of ruined not ruined but like i saw a lot of things coming uh um i didn't mean to interrupt you there but what i was gonna say is the microphone picks you up best directly at the front there mm, yeah like um, right in the mine's kind of like a side yeah yeah, the capsule. yeah and yours is really good like right up front there yeah for sure i just keep leaning back i that's think a, is the yeah thing. I, I was just gonna like, <laughs> i forget i usually tell all my guests like oh just right there in the front like yeah. that's where you can talk into and it'll pick you up the best but uh, I, I had forgotten yeah because you're just not a regular guest. I'm not a regular guest. I'm a cool mom. I'm a cool. I'm not like other moms. I smoke the marijuana leaves. Um, yeah. So uh, we don't have to. Keep, we don't have to jump into midsummer. I thought it was just a nice segue. We can keep talking about comedy. Oh no, I yeah, just, you were still into that. Yeah, just real quick. Um, yeah. yeah, I tend to think about that and like when i'm making my thing i tend to get like mechanical and overdo it and stuff but like really i think the best art is not the stuff that you just completely go hog wild and you don't take any of that stuff into consideration but where you keep that to a minimum where you really like you know when there's really some fat trim it but otherwise a little fat's a good thing that's like you know that's the personality of keeps, it comes yeah, through. Yeah, keep some marble in there. It's good. Yeah, exactly. That's how, you know, the weird ass meat analogy, but like that's what gives a lot of meat its flavor. And mm-hmm. like, it's, I kind of think of the same thing as with comedy. Like, don't trim out everything. Don't try and make all of your jokes as mechanically like precise as possible. Like, the personality ultimately is what people are attracted to. You know, like the sense of like personhood and like who that person is and how you relate to them is what has made. I think the most long-standing and most resonant like art across everything. Yeah, you know, so that's what I've kind of tried to force myself to do because I tend to be like, oh, this is going on too long. This is not long enough, and blah blah. blah. And it really well, it has to be it. about the feeling. Yeah, what's your writing process for a joke? <sighs> you know, I don't really know yet. I kind of like with my thirty-two minutes that I had. Um, it was kind of like, what's something about me that I find funny? Cause I, no one hates me more than myself. <laughs> um, and no, nah, just place to start. but, um, no, just like what's something funny or interesting about me. And I think it, like one of the funnier things about me is like that I went to like this delinquent school and you would never guess that nope. I was like spent a good, like a good part, like five years of my life, just like surrounded by actual like gang members, people who've killed people, yeah. shit like that. You know, like I know I am, you know, I'm not trying to snowflake out on you and talk about how special I am, but it's just kind of an interesting thing about my upbringing. I grew up in a very rural part of Colorado, really super redneck country, pick up trucks and dip and shit, you know, and then like my late 
middle school and high school life was like the opposite. Yeah. It was like, like I like actual gang members, people who are in this like delinquent school cause they fucking killed people yeah. and this was their last chance and shit like that. And I was there because like I had really bad grades. I was really truant and like all this shit, <laughs> you know, I was just kind of a little shithead. I didn't truant? do anything serious. What'd you do when you weren't going to school? Yeah. I just wouldn't go to school. I'd not, I'd like skip classes and do just That's like crazy. stupid shit. I, didn't like miss school for anything really like i would stay home to be sick and that's it i ditched the only class i ever ditched was one time i skipped sewing class to go <laughs> at rigetti i went down the street to a little market with my friend aislin and this guy she was dating at the time tyler and then like some other people we were hanging out with mm. and i felt so cool and i knew i wasn't supposed to be doing it and yeah, it was like yeah. the <laughs> last class of the day mm. or like the second to last class and it was a big fucking deal and i just skipped it just oh, wasn't shit. there yeah and it that was the only time i ever skipped class like i went to school every single fucking day see that's kind of one of the things about colorado is there were multiple times i remember where our school year they would have to extend our school year into the summer months because there were so many snow days. Oh, so Jesus. that was kind of like a thing. Fuck. I remember I had like 15 extra days of school one year because we had so many snow days that mm-hmm. like they had to just extend it. They it didn't meet their what's uh, quota budget. No, there's a word curriculum curriculum. Yeah, yeah. it didn't meet the curriculum standards and stuff like that. So that happened a lot. But yeah, the high school I was in, it was like all indoors, basically. So it was, I don't know. It I went was, to one indoor school. It was amazing. Indoor, uh, I was there's blown no, away when I came out here and I saw the outdoor schools. There's like, no indoor schools here. It's so there's fucking There's not strange. one for 200 miles at least. It's fucking There's no weird. indoor schools here. Like my high schools in Colorado, like the, my school and like our rival school, which was like Sand Creek. And then when I went to this delinquent school, we didn't really have a rival school because we were just like a little independent place. But like, um, like all indoor, completely indoor. It was like a big fucking like building with like multiple floors. That's and like crazy. That's like what our high schools were. But um, that sounds so like TV school. Yeah, right. It's weird. like schools are not like that where I'm from. Yeah, it's, uh, it's like my school's like the clueless high school. <laughs> right. Yeah, I know. I like was... outside and shit. No, but I think even then they were inside. I was tripped out when I first saw like Cabrillo out here. Just like uh-huh. everything's outdoor. The lockers are outdoors. I'm like, why? why? Like, is that that's that's weird. It's like exposed to the elements. Yeah, like your shit's to animals just, and vandals. Yeah, it was weird. I I personally don't like it, honestly. But um, <laughs> you could ditch school so easily here. Here, yeah, I'm sure. You just walk off campus, just like the prison here. Yeah, you just walk off. <laughs> I've never never heard of a prison that has more people just escape that's crazy see i haven't i haven't heard about this there's been like five to ten people like just leave the prison within the past couple years yeah exactly just fucking (laughs) just dipping that's weird huh but uh yeah so that's like so i guess about my joke writing process is i kind of look at the things that i'm like what makes me me what makes me like you know in other people's eyes maybe like a weird person or something and i'll be like I'll just try and examine that and just try and think about what's funny about that and why. And for me, I'll hate the fucking jokes. I'll do practice runs of the jokes, which by the way, if you're an aspire, you know, I've only done one set. So like take this all with a grain of salt, but like, 
I was writing these jokes and I feel like if you're an aspiring comedian, take it from me, do your practice runs, try and get your timings and stuff, but don't expect that to be anything like real practice for oh, what you're going to do on stage because, because it, it is does literally not come out the same at all. It does not translate at all. Maybe like two or 3% of what you get out of those practice runs will actually be applicable when you're actually on stage because comedy is like we were talking about at the beginning of this podcast so much, so, so much about the energy. Yeah. Like it's literally almost all energy. And it's funny when you like kind of get into watching stand up comedy via like television or like on a screen like I did. And then you go to your first stand up show. It's like, wow, this is like Very ridiculous. Different. It feels like you were eating McDonald's your whole life thinking it was gourmet. And then you have this fucking nice, like ridiculous gourmet burger. Oh Wagyu yeah. beef. Like yeah. <laughs> It's like a completely different feeling. And it's just in every way so much better, you know, like, so comedy more. So I would say like mute live music is a lot more fun. Generally speaking, there are definitely a lot more exceptions in music than in comedy though, where I feel like comedy is usually, you know, the comedian sucks. That's one thing, Yeah. but take the same set, the same energy, the same like delivery and mm -hmm. all that stuff and live and then put a screen in front of it. You're going to go live like yeah. every time. There's no reason not to. It's not like mm -hmm. music where it's like, Oh, they sound better on CD. It's like, no, the comedian, assuming they're having a good night yeah. is always going to that feeling is going to always be better. I, I tell so many people about the funniest comedian I've ever, ever seen Joey Diaz. Just, I've been crying, laughing, almost throwing up <laughs> like, and he has a, like one or two specials out and mm -hmm. they're pretty funny, mm -hmm. but it is not, the funny you get when you're seeing him live yeah. like people are spilling drinks like fucking <gasps> that's so good not fucking breathe laughing i've seen him three times and it's only gotten better that's so good like different set each time and just like i'm fucking crying like, tears streaming out of my face another one that i saw who i only saw like 15 10 or 15 minutes of just this uh um like two weeks ago was Chris D'Elia. Oh yeah. Holy shit. He's funny. I like a couple of his specials are on Netflix and then he has a half hour on Netflix as well, yeah, which yeah. is huh fucking hilarious. Mm. And I've been listening to his podcast. He has once a week and it's really fucking good. I really enjoy it. And he's hilarious, but him live was the same energy of like, I'm going to pass out. I'm laughing too hard. I can't fucking comprehend what he's saying next. So, you know, it's kind of funny. Uh, so Chris D'Elia, I've watched a couple of his specials and he's one of those people where I'm like, I like this dude, but I'm not laughing. Mm -hmm. It's it's mm -hmm. a very odd thing. And one of yeah. the things like that I noticed about him is he laughs a lot of his own jokes. I it's, did not like him at first. Yeah, I yeah, did not like did not him. not like it at first. But I can imagine that live, that energy of just like having fun mm -hmm. makes so much of a difference. When you I'm realize sure. what you're saying so funny, you're laughing. Yeah. People are like, he's right. Yeah. And then they're laughing too. It was in fucking insane. It was hilarious. I loved it so much. Yeah. I'm going to have to like, next time he's around live, if he's in the area, which I'm, I imagine is going to be soon because he lives here, right? Like, he's going to be in Santa Barbara next month. Oh shit. Yeah. We I might check go. that out. Let's, yeah. let's do that. Let's we try and go. Should, yeah. We should try to go. I know we always say that and we haven't, haven't yet, but it never I, happens I would ever. love to. Never. And it won't ever happen. Probably not. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I'm down though. If I can get money. See, the thing now is I'm a broke Dude, bitch. Me fucking too. Sucks. Sucks ass. I'm always broke. Yeah, it's weird. So, 
never mind. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I would I would love to see that live. I feel like his kind of like that energy is probably really infectious so, live. Yeah. Whereas through the filter of like a screen, it kind of comes off like, dude, why are you laughing? Or blah, blah, blah. But it, you know, I I think about it. I step back and I'm like, dude, that's the kind of thing. Like when we when you're with your buddies at a diner at 4 a.m. and you're just telling stories and you can barely get through your own story because you're laughing so hard. That energy. I think about some of the best times of my life. And it's those kind of moments, yeah. like where you and I were just like walking around at like 2 a.m. by like Jack in the Box or like when we're at Denny's after a show and we're just like delirious and laughing and yeah. crying and like telling just goofing off. And yeah. like, I feel like that energy is what he's going for. And it's maybe not coming off well on screen, but I'm sure in person it's like super infectious. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the vibe I get. It's so good. It's so good. You owe it to yourself to go to a comedy club and see one of these headliners like that. It's yeah. fucking untouchable. It's yeah. insane. It's so good. But, uh, yeah. So that's kind of like how I tend to write. Oh, for Hannah, by the way, I guess I burped you a couple did. times. Um, <laughs> that's for you, Hannah. Don't forget. Um, <laughs> never forget. Um, so, so yeah, that's you, kind of part of you, my writing. Do you, so you physically write them out or do you type them out? How do you do oh, that? What I'm saying, like your writing process is, do you sit down? Do you carve out a hour of the day? Does it, do you just like, oh, oh, I got a funny. Oh shit. Where's that pad of paper and write it down? Or do you, do you type it into your phone or what? All of those things you just said I do. Okay. Yeah. So, so I do all of those things too. Yeah. So, but you, you said you write like jokes out. You have like the, yeah. you kind of write them out. I don't quite do that, but I also mm. do. Like I have jokes that I write out on like a laptop or a computer and then I have jokes I write out, type out in my phone, just kind of thumb through. Yeah. And then I have just bullet points that I write down uh-huh. in a notepad. And then I also have things that I can't just bullet point that I need to longhand write out. And I have them. So my style, at least from the first time I did it, is kind of just having like, oh, I have this bullet point. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about this and let's talk about that. And I just kind of go off on those tangents. And so I get a lot of that from I heard Bill Burr doesn't write his material down. So that's kind of what I did is. So when I first started writing and, you know, I think like 30 minutes is a pretty substantial amount for your first time. A hundred percent. Like if, if someone was saying like, oh, we need material out of material out of you they'd cut it into pieces yeah you have 10 minutes yeah but you did a 30 minute long set and that was great if it was all killer no filler it might be 10 15 minutes like you said and like you thought there is a lot of buffer time there's time for um you know i'm flipping the page i'm looking at it we're all laughing each other it's kind of you know vamping and stuff yeah um but uh yeah so when i first started writing kind of going back to what i said uh, learning pains of like doing comedy. I did it almost as if I, cause I took a public speaking class where they taught you how to really write an essay, like mm-hmm. a essay, essay, mm-hmm. you know, structured everything. There's your yeah. intro, your first point, your second point, your third point, supplement no, those I w- points. I was really impressed with the way you had presented your uh, set to me too. Mm-hmm. Cause I was like, he has, um, he has a, uh, a, a narrative. Yeah. So that's kind of what I try to go for. And then I would start doing like my practice runs and then I realized like, holy shit, this is so awkward. I hope it's not like that on stage. It's not, by the way, if you're doing it, don't worry. It's going to, assuming you're not a really shitty, like dead fish on stage yeah. and you can have because fun and loosen people, up. Most people who try to be comedians have been told by their friends to do it or try it or, oh man, you should go do yeah, it. Yeah. You'd be a comedian. That'd be so great. And 
some people actually go up and do it and they're great. And some people are not the funny that your friends tell you are. And your natural expression will fill in these awkward blanks that you might have when you're telling people. And like before I went to go do that set, I was reading like jokes I had and stuff to Kylie. And Mm -hmm. it was just, I was bombing with her so hard. Yeah, It was just like, oh, I can't say any of this now. Great. It was rough. But now I feel a lot more emboldened. Yeah, and I kind of yeah. want to. Like, I feel like I have a little more style in where I want to, the direction I want to head. Yeah, and I'm really excited to go bomb with this material. <laughs> Me too. I I want to do that with you so bad. I want to go and hit more of these things up. But yeah, in my writing process, bombing just, not being good like it is in skateboarding. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, just like. I wrote it out as if like I was going to follow it to a T though. Yeah. It was kind of my point is yeah. I wrote it out like an essay and like read the essay. Mm-hmm. Take, you don't even need a script on stage. You're going to memorize this. And like, that is not how it's going to be. That like, was, that was te- when I saw that you were like kind of doing that, I was terrified for yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh. yeah, I, I quickly abandoned that. I was like, you know what? This is not what's going to work. I quickly caught on to that. And I'm kind of proud of myself for improvising in that way. Like, you did. I think that the moments where you were improvising and we saw more honey cut than script yeah. was funnier and more genuine. And I appreciate we all appreciate that, too, like as yeah, an audience, because it's more comfortable, too. Yeah. And that's what I kind of was trying to trying to go for. Oh, Hannah. Um, <laughs> <That's> uh, perfect. <laughs> uh, yeah. So. Yeah, I, I really tried to plan and, you know, some comedians, they thrive on that. Some comedians are so technical. Meticulous, yeah. And, yeah, meticulous. That's mm-hmm. the perfect word. Like, so technical, so meticulous, so, like, granular, like, about Every, how their everyone, jokes go. Everyone has a different style. Yeah. I really appreciate everyone, like, learning what everyone's thing is because I'm taking bits and pieces from it and I'm making a Frankenstein version of it, uh-huh. especially starting out. Yeah. Like this isn't going to really sharpen for another three to five. Yeah. And we got to try it and go, you know, forge it, forge it, forge it, forge it. Yeah. Forge that steel. Um, I saw something that there's like some sort of interview with Nate Bargatze recently. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about how that dude, man, his, his style is so interesting to me, but continue. He's so interesting. I love him. He has great uh, comedic timing and has honestly, I get terrified thinking about how many times he would have bombed you know coming up as a comedian yeah like that's terrifying because it's like if you are sitting around a bunch of people like i couldn't imagine him doing that at a black club that kind of material i feel like they would be like go on white boy see i don't know um and from what i understand if black people don't find you funny you're not funny. And <laughs> I I know that sounds racial, but that's from everything I've collected in my many studies of comedians. That's the, that's where you want to be. Yeah. I don't know. Um, with Nate Bergazzi, cause like, you know, obviously he's from the South. Like maybe he has that charm. Yeah. I think he's got that like element and, you know, by the way, just for the record, like, I guess I, I don't know. How do I put this? We'll, we'll just try it and we'll put it into words. We'll forge it ourselves. I guess just like, so, so what'd you, what'd you say exactly? I'm, I'm kind of confused by your statement if I'm being honest. It, I'm, I was concerned about his material 
when he was coming up as a comedian and how many times he might have bombed. And then Mm. I thought I couldn't imagine if I tried that material or if he was trying that material in front of at a black club or sometimes they'll have like like a black night at like comedy Mm. clubs. They'll Mm. like, you know, yeah, yeah. that's very typical. And I know that kind of sounds like maybe racially charged, but that is just like another element of comedy clubs and comedy nights and yeah, sets I mean, of yeah. comedians. Different and I don't people. split hairs here, people. Like that's like how it is. Yeah, no, that's that's one of the things with the comedy. I mean, especially with comedians, they're not going to split hairs about that. And people going to see comedy aren't. Yeah, no, it's not. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to like. And like no one can touch Dave Chappelle, Chris Rock, and Eddie Murphy as the pound for pound funniest comedians of all times. Absolutely. Eddie Murphy. Fortunately white people are just second place when it comes to comedy. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so I guess what confuses me about like yeah. your framing of this is, uh, like, are you saying that you were, you're kind of distraught at the idea of Nate Bargatze coming up, practicing, honing his craft, doing this in front of black crowds and wondering how they would react to it. I'm just um, kind of confused by what you're getting at. No, what I was saying is that he has such a distinct style and I feel like if you were doing that style or like they have this thing called alt comedy Mm -hmm, where like they go like Largo and stuff and Mm -hmm. it's like this real like Dimitri Martin kind of comedy where it's like not real stand up. It's like a different element of funny. Like Maria Bamford's kind of like that's very atypical comedy. That's a lot of like weird pausing and like character work that's Mm -hmm. kind of like different than a lot of comedians take. very different yeah it's yeah. called alt comedy and yeah i don't think you could be an alt comic and go follow someone like a joey diaz or follow like you know and i don't think i'm not saying nate bargassi is an alt comic but mm-hmm. i think that that style is kind of like very particular and i would be i would love to be on a fly in the wall when he was like at a club where it was black knight or something you know what i mean and it was like he had to do that kind of like Starbucks drink was wrong material, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm getting you. Okay. Yeah. Cause, cause it was, cause a Jesus, the, you never felt more unfunny than when you can't make a black person laugh. <laughs> and I'm not saying like, you know, I can make my friends not laugh and it's normal. But if I can't make a black person laugh, I realize like, oh, like I, I really suck. That joke sucked. I'm not funny. I need to go, okay. go home and try again. You lost me again. I know. I know I did. I know I did. I know I did. Um, so, uh, but. Uh, that, that's like the standard to me is like, I, you got to be able to make everyone laugh. And if you can't make even black people laugh and even white people laugh and even any other race, race of people, Sorry. you're fine. You're fine. Um laugh like you need it needs to be like a universally received joke that's funny. i see okay e- okay like so burr. like burr is funny period okay so here was my perception of okay that. okay okay it He's sounded like I'm to some me alt-right racist piece of shit yeah here at. listen up audience you're getting the dog whistle here Woo. this dude is a straight up oh, nazi I just, I just heard that term dog whistle recently it's such a good term it's amazing i, I have love it. no idea it's so perfect um it, it's, uh, I've been waiting for that term. There's so many people where I'm like, you're just a Nazi, but you won't fucking admit it. And you say all this Nazi <laughs> shit. But anyway, before I, I go on that tangent, what live, it seemed okay. like you were saying okay. is like, the way it came off was okay. like, if you can't make a black person laugh, like what's wrong with you? They laugh at everything because they're dumb. Oh, 
Oh, that's what it was oh. coming off like, man. No. I was trying to be diplomatic. No. But uh, yeah, no. that's the shit that it sounded no. like you were saying is like, Not oh, black all. people laugh at everything. Dangle no. some keys in front of them. That's what Jesus. it kind of sounded like you were getting your at. And words, I was like, not mine. Not, no, shit. not mine. No. That's what I thought no. your words were. No, in the comedy world, like. No, you, standard, you are right. Though. You have to be a bald man and you're the funniest. The, the top five funniest comedians in the world are bald men. Huh. Dave Chappelle, Louis C.K., Bill Burr, like it, like you can't. It's it's bald men. Bald men. Who who's another bald? Man? I'm trying. I'm I'm a little drunk right now. I can't think of it. But yeah. I always go off on this tangent and I list all the bald men. Yeah. And they're all like the most untouchable comedians. They're fucking but hilarious. Anyway, yeah. So I I get what you're saying about okay. the comedy not reaching <laughs> like certain like demographics. Because I mean, it's like not. It's not even just like black people. It's just like lower class. No upper class people like that Starbucks joke all black people are lower class no I'm saying like you can go to like an upper class person and be and tell that Starbucks joke mm-hmm. and maybe it would land maybe it wouldn't you can go to a lower class person and be like what the fuck's the big deal like just drink your coffee pussy you know mm-hmm. I don't know why I gave him a southern accent you I'm from go, the south well, I can do I that I think what you're saying um, is you can go blue collar or you can go white collar with it not and necessarily think- white collar blue collar but like you know some people just don't relate to certain shit you know, like 100%. I see, Link like, I don't know. I, I, I hear some stand up comedian, comedians make jokes. I, this is kind of like what happened with like Daniel Tosh with me is he would make oh, these jokes. Okay, and I okay. was like, this is interesting. What are you what? This is like, interesting because to me, he is one of like the Rushmore of comedians. Cause it's like, it's like Chappelle, Tosh, Burr. Interesting. Like he kills murderer well i so what i'm saying is not necessarily like a statement on his comedy but like i think about like some of his jokes like you know like i think about like my family in the south and like his jokes like they would be like uh like you just sound like kind of an asshole like judgment and that's his character the judgmental Mm -hmm. asshole the like privileged like you Mm -hmm. know i haven't seen a lot of his recent stuff but that was definitely like his early kind of persona have you seen his most recent one i just fucking said i didn't this is what i'm saying though you haven't it is all right well hold on before we go into this let me say so that's what i'm saying his earlier persona years ago like his tosh.0 and kind of like around that realm like when the show first started is that show still running no i think so but i don't i don't i've never had cable television me me either really i I would love to watch like when i was over at my dad's house he did have cable or like love to watch like direct tv when i go over to people's houses and they have like tv tv i'm like ooh, i love i just scroll through all the channels and i was like you guys don't understand the power yeah like i was like you guys are actually retarded look at all this shit there's so much you don't even access it it's like you watch I, like four channels. You watch four channels, and then I'm like, you guys have no idea. Dude. But before we get too lost in the weeds, yeah, what I'm saying is like his earlier kind of persona, mm-hmm. like he had the like affluent white dude, like mm-hmm. oh, he, like lots of poor people jokes, mm-hmm. lots of like oh, get a job kind of jokes, and like you know stuff like that. So that was like his kind of persona. Yeah, there's I, certain demographics like southern. Northern, West Coaster, mm-hmm. uh, East Coaster, yeah. like there, there's all kinds of things where that doesn't play, that does play, it kind of does, it kind of doesn't, certain things there, and like I guess what I perceived this initial like conversation started to be was not that, so that's where this can, kind of confusion came from. I think with Nate Bergazzi, 
is he has just enough of kind of like that Southern charm to where it's like he can be broad. He seems a little niche still. He seems more like, like we said earlier, a comedian's comedian, Mm -hmm. but he seems a little, a little broader appeal. Like I know people who can kind of just get down with him because he's like a chill guy. Does that make sense? Yes, I do. Okay. Yes, it does. I mean, yes, I do understand what you're saying. It does make sense. Okay. What you were saying, I wouldn't be saying what I did say about the Rushmore comedy with Daniel Tosh if he didn't evolve with that style so well. So that's so that's kind of what I'm saying. Like I I, I said earlier, like yeah. I haven't seen his recent totally stuff. Totally fine. So I don't know, I but just based off like my memory of everyone him. to go see something or watch something he's like one of my like bucket list comedians to go see really because of he does do that tosh point no show and i'm pretty sure he still does it and he doesn't have a special every year every mm-hmm. two years so yeah. when he does it's a really big deal and it's also really well done yeah and it his last one was like oh shit i forgot about tosh and they talk about everyone like everyone mentions him at some point about like he's like the dark horse of like great comedy that they kind of like mention almost as like a like oh that guy who's amazing and we're not (laughs) kind of like in a weird weird kind of like referential way because to me he's not a comedian's comedian but he is like top tier because he bridges that gap between comedian's comedian and entertainer well he got really huge he it's kind really of interesting huge. and he is still like fucking savage fucking hilarious. so that's that's what i was gonna say i think that's kind of one of the things that has prevented him from breaking out to the level like louis did or like like uh kevin hart did yeah. and stuff like that. not only is the comedy very different mm-hmm. but like he he has that like that persona of being just savage as fuck, like yeah. kind of like Anthony Jeselnik. Mm-hmm. I, I was, I know he's been literally like on the cusp of me mentioning him this entire conversation. So I, I have I watched those two. Yeah. I have watched Anthony Jeselnik's new special. Um, yeah, they're like, so I kind of, I don't really get down as much with that humor as much as I used to like the savage stuff. How dare you pussy? I'm a pussy. How um, I'm a snowflake liberal. Um, no, but, uh, what I was saying is just like, I don't, I don't like gravitate towards that comedy as much. I know they're not like bad dudes. Like I'm not really. So, you know, this is kind of like interpersonal time between Dallas and I, mm. you know, I know I talk a lot about stuff like, like things in terms of like social justice you know, like using your words responsibly. That's something I definitely advocate for. I like to kind of be the person when people are like being and you know, this term gets thrown around a lot, but when virtue signaling starts happening and you're being really insincere, I like to say, Hey, stop doing that. You're not helping this cause. You're not, you're not like advocating for anything that is you're truly cheapening everyone's ju- experience that could help someone else that's disenfranchised. Exactly. What you're when you're, when you're policing people's words for no other reason other than like, that's a weird word or that's scary or that makes you feel uncomfortable. That's not really helping anyone. What's, I am an advocate yeah. for people like being responsible with what you say, especially when you have a platform. That is kind of one of the things like Anthony Jeselnik and Daniel Tosh. Again, I haven't seen the new shit, so I don't know. I could eat my words, but I don't have that information right now. Um, that's one of the things that has kind of prevented me from like really loving them. But in terms of like the mechanics of their comedy, I don't think I've ever seen a comedian, especially Daniel Tosh, but Anthony Jeselnik is amazing at this as well, 
who can make a joke just fucking like like hit you and the punchline is like holy shit not just because it's offensive but their delivery and the way they cut it in and the way they like just integrate it into their kind of like the way they speak and like their delivery is very cold a lot Mm -hmm. and very like matter of factly yep and that element of their performance is they, like unlike any comedians really I've ever seen where they, they hit you with a joke and it's so just like, wow, like you feel like you just got a little fucking paper cut, you dude, know, it's like really like I wish I could be as executed as they are. Yeah, it's amazing. They execute on a ridiculous level. So that like that element of them, I like a it's lot. funny you mentioned the thing about virtue signaling because I am scared of the opposite end of me being more of someone who vice signals more like just being, I hate these people who are edgy just for the, for the sake, sake of, of edgy. And yeah, it, yeah. it's not a real element of their personality. Yeah. It's just them trying something new or them thinking they're going to mm-hmm. like start. It's like people recreationally doing it. Mm-hmm. Whereas like mm-hmm. I very much so have always been like this and it is a part of my DNA. Yeah. It's like, that is where the realm I come from. Well, that's the thing with this whole conversation that we've been having a lot more and a lot more like, you know, you know, we've become a lot more of say like a lot more aware of say like police brutality. There's been a lot more public and overt and widespread discussion about like police brutality. And that has made me question a lot of the ways I would like joke around with my friends. You know what I mean? And like, like with my friends, and the way I would talk like on Facebook, say, and like, so there's, there's been a lot of change basically is the point I'm getting at. There's been a lot more of like a, um, sorry, I just keep fiddling with that. Um, it's, if you hear clicking, it's me fiddling with the, uh, the ring that the, the beer, beer cans ring, came with. The thing that's going to kill turtles. Yeah. The turtle killing <laughs> apparatus. Um, but like, I don't know. Things have been really tumultuous, especially since Donald Trump was elected. Things have been really crazy. People are on edge, to say the least. And I think it's important to be kind of responsible with what you say. But I feel like a lot of people that are on that kind of side of the coin mistake mistake that kind of like, I'm saying mistake, like really hitting the T. Yeah, weird. I hear you. I feel mistake, you. Mistake, 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 mistake. I made a mistake. A lot of people mistake that that kind of intent for like, I have to correct everyone. I have to police everyone. And that's really unhealthy. And it makes you like, this is kind of like a reductive thing to say, but it makes you look like an asshole. And by extension, people, human beings just can't help but associate that as like, you're just being an asshole. Who's not like, who thinks they're better than me, you know? And And who thinks a hundred percent I'm going to go on the side that doesn't think they're better than me, even if I disagree with them because they're more accommodating, Mm -hmm. they're more welcoming. They're not policing what I'm doing. Your, my actions are not victimized now Mm -hmm. and you're not weaponizing your position in the world to, like you said, police someone. You're not controlling something. Yeah. I, I would 100% rather stand with someone that I disagree with because they're protecting my freedoms mm. than stand with someone I agree with that wants to limit the freedoms of others. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that. All right. I'm going to stop you because I might die of piss in my bladder. Right okay.
Jesus Christ, and we're back, and we're back, and there's we're less back. less piss in our bladders. Yeah, there was a lot of piss. More cum in each other's us. butts. Piss and shit and cum. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess like you know, I I'm a snowflake SJW cuck. I like to watch other men uh, pleasure my sexual partner with their penises and whatever, whatever they decide they want to pleasure the opposite <laughs> person with. Uh, so I'm a soy boy. I'm a cuck. I'm a libtard. And, uh, Is no, that what you identify as? Yeah, I identify as a libtard. Um, no, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I do, I do believe that like things are rough as fuck right now and being responsible and being like a little considerate that like shit is hard for some people right now and shit is crazy and scary and maybe not necessarily like whether whether you agree that their life is inherently harder than yours or not that there are people who are out to get other people you know what i mean and do you that's something do you to be think conscious that, of. that there's more of that or do you just think that there's more visibility of it i think both i think that in a way that well, no, I, let me backtrack on that. Okay. That's a weak ass stance. There's definitely like an emboldening of people right so, now. So they have more visibility because of it. Okay. I think that the visibility is a result of the emboldening of those kinds of like demographics is what I'm saying. Like, like I'm saying so. that like the internet age has changed a lot. There's a lot. It's a lot easier for people to say, hey, this is, this, you know, for people to just voice their opinion on yeah. any given topic. I know it's fucking pure cancer. Um, yeah, people thinking and giving their opinions is stupid. Well, I'm just kidding. I'm just it, kidding. I know what you it mean. Totally it is. It is. is. It is. I hate it. They it need is. to have their own podcast before they can do that. Yeah, for real. Um, no, I know what you mean though. Yeah. Um, but like, I think that that's definitely an element. We've never really dealt with that. And especially now that we have three, well, let's yeah. Three social media platforms that are big enough to take over the whole world if they wanted. You know, or if they could, if there were the three, I know Facebook, and Facebook, Twitter. Instagram, Twitter, oh, you know, Instagram. just like control, not control, like, you know, in a, in a sense, it does controlling influence people a lot, controlling, influencing. That. Yeah. Just like there's this invisible you know, hand of social media over everything we do now. There is, you know, what I've done recently is I deleted the apps, Facebook and Twitter off of my phone. Mm -hmm. And now I only go on those when I'm on my laptop. I only hard copy desktop laptop yeah, that's probably a good thing i should it probably is do that. literally no no like seriously like um because i know that you have a lot of time and energy that you spend on facebook just mm -hmm. from the amount that you put on <laughs> there um i have so many people tell me like oh it's always i whenever i look at my feed it's just you and zach it's just zach and dallas and i'm like sorry um so i try i've been trying to tell everyone how what i've been doing um i don't go on on my phone anymore because it's too easy yeah, I, I, I've been the thinking only about interactive thing that is really sensible for social media is Instagram because you can just double tap, swipe, double tap, swipe, double tap. Like you just go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's a it. the nature because of it is very Facebook different. is like there's a lot more that you need to be free to articulate. Mm. And there's a lot more. I feel like there's a lot more like popping off. There's a lot more yeah. bottle rockets that people share. Yeah, and absolutely. They don't need to go there. And I also stopped sharing things that are political because whether people know I'm just being a cunt or not, whether people think I'm being a troll or not, whether people think I'm being serious or not, that 
it's too divisive and I don't necessarily want to divide my well, that's why audience. I don't. That's why. And then I also think that the real point I can make like politically is when I'm voting or being like present in some sort of like political spectrum. Yeah. And well, I mean, do it, you know, I, I wouldn't, there's a lot of stuff that I wouldn't know if I didn't have friends and family and like other, other things like educational, like videos and stuff like that, that I wouldn't know had I not had those resources. So I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, that like, that like that's the only space in which you should be political. No, n- that's not what I'm saying. What okay. I meant is like I'm not sharing just like no more with the political memes. So or that's that's that I agree with. Yeah, because it was just like it was more your last point. Because it was just like it's too easy to just go <laughs> and then share it, even if I don't agree with it. Because yeah. I'm through and through a comedian, and I just here for the laugh. I don't care if one side or the other agrees or disagrees with it it's because someone made a funny point mm. and i want to share it yeah. i don't care if the farthest left comedian or the farthest right comedian made the point mm. if it's funny i want to share it yeah or you know dead center made a funny point i want to share it like that's where i'm at and the political things also the amount of if you follow like a bunch of like political pages on Facebook, you realize how much censoring and how much like shadow banning goes into that and how many times they like kick them off for like months at a time. And it's really like sickening. It like made me like physically ill to see like you got banned for the meme you shared. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, that's not okay. So I that also is a huge detractor from being on Facebook because whether you agree with a left-leaning political ideology or not, social media is pretty hardcore left and their leanings and they are tailoring quite a bit of the content and filtering through what you can and can't receive because the, the fucking priority of shit that was getting people banned was just things chastising and criticizing leftist politics and it was like oh if you can't criticize that person then they have some sort of power over you and that's not okay so i wanted to take a step back and give less of myself to this entity that i have given so much to already it's been 10 years i'm okay I can step back. I don't need any more of it. Maybe I'll find a funny joke I wrote a couple of years ago and on memories and that's it. Yeah. Uh, so on the, this, this has kind of gone off track. Sorry. Um, it's okay. Um, so as far as like, you know, on my social media, I've decided to like stop talking as much about like political stuff because my reasoning is just like, if I want to engage in a political con- political conversation, online is the worst possible way to do it because <laughs> it people are different when there's a screen in front of them. You know what I mean? Like I'm not exactly who I am. I, yeah, in you don't see the person. Neither you don't you. care about their feelings. You don't, you don't hear their you can't tone. Read their body language. Yeah, you don't see their face. You don't see how they're. You, you you don't get that sense of like, 
oh, that person is being diplomatic. Like, no, that shit just all goes out the window and it becomes a flame war. And that's why I don't necessarily participate in it because my goal is kind of what I was saying earlier is like, I, I do believe in a lot of the things I do believe things are chaotic and that like, you know, I, I think that we, you know, just be careful, you know, just know that there's some stuff that other people are going through that you might not be that kind of thing that you need to be careful with your words and stuff on a political level or a pub. I'm sorry. I mean a public level, um, politically. Um, and so I believe in all that, but that doesn't necessarily mean that like, I don't want to have a conversation with you and like maybe try and change your mind. Maybe you have something that changes my mind on a topic or something, but that's literally never going to happen when it's like, Oh, you fucking illiterate, like, Oh, Oh, ha ha ha. You know, like laugh reacting people's comments on Facebook specifically, or like, you know, emojis, like laughing emojis, like, Oh, you really think that blah, blah. So many conversations I see devolve into that, which sometimes is warranted. Sometimes you're talking to a straight up fucking idiot. And sometimes it's fun just to troll and throw a laugh react. And that's what I'm scared of (laughs) is like, unless it's a straight fucking moron that I'm talking to and they're just like speaking absolute nonsense. Dude, you know, what's funny. Um, I do this to what's his name? Kiefer Gallagher a lot. Is that his name? God, no, I forgot about that dude. He, cause he'll post cause he's very hard right leaning and he'll post things and I'll just laugh react him or I'll laugh respond. Cause he's like the only one that's upset about these things that he shares. Cause mm-hmm. even like, I still have like my hand in the cookie jar of right and left politics, both, you know, and mm-hmm. sent like, I'm still like exposed to many of their meme pages and many of the things that are upset with and many of the policies they're, arguing over and then he comes up with these things and i'm like like what where did you get that from how are you upset about that and i really enjoy laugh reacting him and his posts specifically that's why i have occupy democrats logic liked on facebook because that is just some of the most like baby brain shit but uh anyway uh like so that's why I've kind of stopped engaging with that stuff on social it's media. It's not worth it. I've never come away from any discussion better. On I Facebook. only wish yeah. death upon people now. Yeah, and that's why I've stopped doing that. Like I literally, the only thing I've ever come away from those things with is cynicism, bitterness, and p- like wrath and violence that I wish upon people that I shouldn't. Yeah. That shouldn't have violence inflicted upon them for having an opinion. Yeah. So yeah, that's like on the level that I, uh, I agree with like, yeah, just stopping that, but, um, stop like engaging with like super political stuff on Facebook. Like, cause you know, I want to try and have actual conversations where we can understand each other. Cause that's what's ultimately most important. And that's how this shit stops is when we understand each other because I'm someone who's in kind of a unique position where like, I have a lot of family from the South. I spent a lot of time in the South. A lot of, uh, you know, right wing politics align with Southern culture in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And, you know, not that's not ubiquitous. That's not something that has to be. But it it does happen. A lot of left wing politics lean a lot like towards like more big populated cities, weird liberal cities and stuff like kind of liberal liberal states that we're in. And, you know, so I'm in kind of a unique position like a lot of people aren't necessarily people like, Oh yeah, I spent time in like South Carolina, Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee, Florida. But I also live out here in California where it's like easily the most liberal state, you know, Mm -hmm. like, 
And so I try to understand that there's like perspectives that people out here don't get. Like I think I, New I, York might be the most liberal. Probably. Uh, yeah, you're probably right. But um, thank you. At any rate, um, validating to hear that when someone's like, "You're probably right." <laughs> That's not what you sound like. I'm sorry. It's okay. Love you. Um, <laughs> um, but just like the point being, like a lot of people don't take into consideration that sometimes these people think these things for a reason, whether it's right or wrong. A lot of times, it's not. Are you sometimes scared of the is. microphone? Is it? too close Shut to the you. fuck you up. keep leaning farther back just take it because your with chair you. is comfortable it fuck is, you you can watch push it in a little and no. then lean back no, I'm and not then doing have that. it in the middle ground and then people can hear you i'm not doing it they can hear me just fine i have a loud booming buttery voice very deep very masculine voice all right did you say masculine yes i said masculine very spell deep. it m-a-s-c-u-l-i wrong M A S C. Oh, you're just fucking with me. Wrong. Okay, I get it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, like, there's like a perspective that's lost on a lot of people in like hyper liberal cities where it's just like looked down it's upon. A, it can be an echo chamber. Yeah, it's yeah. E- echo chambers are definitely a thing. I try to avoid them. I was stuck in a couple. And um, yeah, I I try to like you know there's some people like in, in particular on Facebook where like I'll be having I'll the rare time that I'll post something political, and they'll say something I'm like all right I think I know where this guy's coming from why he thinks that but that's wrong, and I'll start typing up this really sincere reply where I'm laying out my points again being super over analytical, typing it out like an essay you know point one point two point three supplemental point blah blah mm-hmm. blah 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 evidence to you know evidence to support yeah. this like a literal like speech or like an mm-hmm. essay, and then someone. One of my friends, uh, it's always someone from out here too. It's never like, it's always some like person that I know out here who comes in and just like, hey, fucking idiot. Like, you know, like to that person that I'm trying to genuinely reach, you know, and genuinely have a dialogue with will come in and be like, so fun to watch. And I'm just like, ah, this sucks. Because I'll like both sides comments. Galaxy brain. What's galaxy brain? It's when you got a big ass brain and you're a genius beyond the comprehension of mortals like us. Where so you like I'm both sides. Because I, like, I like both sides. I'm galaxy brain. Yeah, you're galaxy brain. There has to be a funnier, like a more inflammatory Well, it's, it's based term. off that meme. The like, oh, the, we're like oh, it's called galaxy brain. brain. Oh, and then oh it's I get like it. I get normal it. brain. I and then it. like, yeah, yeah. And DMT brain. Yeah, DMT brain. <sighs> right there on. We go. Well, fuck. What was I going to say? God damn it. I was really excited to say something and make a point and I never quite. Oh, it's, okay. Here's one of my things that I take um, for posts like this. It doesn't happen very often anymore, but there has been two or three times when it's happened recently. Um, if the number of comments already exceeds the number of likes that it's gotten, th- I'm not reading them. I don't care. I'm unfollowing the post. There's no way it's worth my time. I've already wasted time. I shared it to be a fucker or make people laugh or especially both. And now there's people getting upset over a, 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 a digital picture, which is hilarious. Fucking hilarious. Not even real pictures, like things people made in like MS print, like Photoshop and like paint. And like people are taking the goddamn shit right up their asses. So I would just abandon all fucking interest as soon as someone's like, well, actually, go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself. I hate that shit. If they're, because it's like, this isn't what it was for. If they were on a message board, sure. If we were in person, sure. I, I'm fucking showing, making dick jokes. 
on Facebook. You're fucking upset about things. I'm un- I unfollowed the second two comments hit, and my one friend from the south liked it. That is like into this kind of fucking humor. <laughs> Vice versa. Just for an example. Shout yeah. out to Owen. <laughs> Um, he's not from the South. He's from here, but he lives in Alabama and he likes a lot of my posts and I really appreciate it. (laughs) (laughs) Owen, Owen, Owen Farrow. He'll like, um, things. He's one of the, you ever have like a core audience? Oh yeah. I have where where there's like memes that only those like five people like. Yeah. He's one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I I mean, I don't know. I think sometimes like, I I think that if you're going to post a political thing, that is something that by its nature, people are going to want to talk about. They can message me. They can absolutely message me and I'll talk about it. I mean, that's fair, but like, aren't you posting that because you agree with the point or because you think something's funny? No, I uh, talk about this on the podcast all the time. If I, I don't care if I disagree with someone, something, I don't care if I agree with something. I don't care if it's wrong. I don't care if it's amoral. If it's funnier, I'm going to share that. I'm going to go for the funny part because that's what I care about is the funny. If it, to me, I found it funny, whether I agree with it or not, I'll share that. Like, even if there's no basis in reality, I'm on team funny. Like that's, that's where it's at. I uh, like people have messaged me and I'm like, I don't care. It was a joke. You fucking bitch. Which 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 I'll go to. I get that. If it is something I agree with, then, then I might engage them and then we'll have a conversation and it never ends badly or well. It just kind of fizzles and I don't really care about that. Yeah. And so that guy kind of goes back to what I was saying is like, that's why I don't uh, engage with a lot, but that's also why I don't post a lot of that stuff. But what you're saying is like, it's a joke. Like, yeah, I get that. That's like, that's something a lot of people that I think like kind of more on, you know, big quotes I'm doing here, my side don't get is that like, you know, sometimes people are just joking. Like it's fine. It's totally fine. You know, you don't have to police people for that kind of thing. Like, you know, fucking pull the fangs out when you see some real racism, you know? Yeah. Like that's the the thing. Like that's the thing that I say. Yeah. Um, you know, you you can talk to friends and say, "Hey, that might be kind of a weird thing to say." You know, that's cool. And but if have your that friends, conversation talk to you, and that's yeah, good. Exactly. If they're your friends, they'll talk to you about that, and that's fine. But the kind of like policing tone, the kind of like holier than now thing, is not helpful. It's not helping. It's, it's making your whole argument look like it's predicated upon your ego, and not because you care, exactly. and not because you want anything to change. If you that's want something a great to change, way, that's a great way to put it. If you wanted something to change, you would talk to them and try and actually like massage their logic and make them and understand. And those people you. get through, and those people are really cool, kind of bystanders of society that do yeah. engage in that way. Yeah. Um, I think that it's really puzzling when there's people that we've known for years that just flip a switch mm. and start getting upset when it's like, what about this thing that was the same mm-hmm. five years ago I shared? You see it? I'm viewing it on Facebook memories. You even laugh reacted it. What was wrong with it then? And then why are you attacking me now? You changed too. Like it's okay. It's okay to have something, but you've known me for this long. Why is it now that you're choosing to ignore it? That's when you, you quite honestly, you notice, you realize and you observe 
how people's ideologies and how people's agendas overtake their personhood and their autonomy. And it's really gross. I do not like that. And if someone, if I can see someone and I can sum them up in their like political stance, their, you know, some ideology, ideological way, I, I don't want to be around them. I try to avoid them. They're very one dimensional. It's not fun to be around. Most of the conversation is about them you know, me having my own podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're a very conversational guy. You're, you're engaging with me. Um, yeah, I, I, I do know what you mean, but like, you know, people change just cause I, I don't know if it's kind of hard to tell. Uh, I don't know if this is your point, but like, you know, there are things that I thought were super funny, like five, 10 years ago that I don't find like funny now because the comedy element and because just like, Oh, why are you, you know, that didn't age well. You know, or this is like, you know, a bad time for that. You know, like I I think there's never a bad time for comedy. I think that if you can't say something funny at someone's funeral, don't say anything at all kind of thing. I think that I I know that this is going to be polarizing and I know people won't agree with it. And I implore them to disagree with me whenever they want because that's what makes america great (laughs) beautiful not this fucking not red hats and dumb bullshit and people hijacking icons of american fucking culture Mm. like that that's not that's not what makes this place great it's things like people rock and roll the blues stand-up comedy fucking YouTube, like these things like make, um, that's what, that's why America's awesome is mm. because we have the freedom to do these things and you have the freedom to, to disagree. No, I mean, I, I do agree with that. I, I won't delude myself. There are a lot of countries that like, you know, they go to China and try to get on Google, suck my dick. Yeah, I, that, that, that is true. But that like, uh, God, I kind of lost what I was going to say. That's okay. We can move on to something like a little more, uh, user friendly, honestly. Yeah, no, that's cool. I'm not. I, I I like that we like went there, but we don't have to be there. Like, oh, usually when I uh, brief people, I'm like, we don't have to talk about anything political because it's usually some sort of discomfort, and I'm not trying to alienate listeners right off the bat, mm. you know. But people usually listening this long or this this many episodes, you can definitely have those conversations because yeah. it's a. I'm I'm feeling fruitful. like I'm kind of like unprepared for this conversation. To be honest, that's totally anyway. okay. That's totally okay. I think that i've sat on these things that i've wanted to talk with someone like you in my life for very long and i might have tailored them and might have spoken about them in my head a long time so with you know him you saying that and then me saying everything i said by no means take those as a final statements or any sort of thing we're just having a fun conversation and we've also had a good amount of alcohol yeah so yeah remember that guys don't cancel me please don't cancel me dude please cancel me it'd be so good for my brand i'm working on being being don't cancel me don't uh, cancel Zach, attention though. don't cancel me that's bad for my brand yeah please. i'm not some fucking libertarian ass who <laughs> like is gonna thrive on this kind of attention no i'm going to get canceled and my co- my comedy central special is going to get canceled no i don't want that <laughs> no i'm just kidding but uh so midsummer you made a yes. post about Midsummer that I laughed at because I know you're just being a fucking iconoclastic asshole. I think. What did I say? You said that, oh, the, like, so it was beyond words. in so many words, like after the credits rolled, 
it was pretentious garbage or like, oh, wow, right, I right, wish right, the movie l- would have l- ended l- after the first bit. Because I made a joke because yeah. it was something that I was posting to be a fucker. But then yeah. I realized that I could actually um, actually I don't have Facebook on my phone. Can you pull it up? Yeah, yeah, I got <laughs> you. My profile. Um, um, I realized I could make a joke with it, too. Yeah, and yeah. that's what softened the blow because I like per capita funny. That's yeah. important too. That's what I figured when you saw this post. Instead of me typing up like a, actually the film is very art- dude. You know? I was so relieved when you laugh reacted it because I was like, thank God he understands me. Yeah, I've gotten to the point where I just get it. Thank you. I dress like a kindergarten teacher and I fuck like a sewer rat. That is one of my favorite <laughs> things I've ever seen on this whole worthless fucking site. That is Kylie in a nutshell. <laughs> um, sewer. <laughs> where is it? Here, I'll find it. If you want me to scroll, if you're comfortable with me holding no, your, I got it. your porn device. Out of all the dozens of people I hung out with this past year, Zach Honeycutt isn't one of them. Now we're <laughs> hanging out. <laughs> got Dude, him. that was that was one of my, like, I need him over here now. Like attention grabbers. <laughs> and I completely, so I post you so much. You didn't even see it. I, I post so much that in my notifications, like, it just, it's it just like a flooded. Yeah. You know what? That's what I noticed because I don't go on Facebook on my phone all the time. Uh, when I go on Facebook, I'll have like 20 plus notifications and I'll never get to all of them. Yeah. And yeah. I'm just like, I don't even care at this point. They're I'm on Facebook likes. literally like 24 seven and I post that much. You do. I post it's that much insane. garbage. I love it though. <laughs> yeah. That's what it's for now. Facebook has completely fallen in my eyes as far as like being a genuine like social platform Dude, because it's, it's, it's literally like some sort of like not a 4chan but like some sort of like horribly like abortion version of like funny junk yeah yeah it really is yeah okay so your status was midsummer was good until the opening credits slash title fuck the rest of that shit if i wanted to be force fed (laughs) hannah pretentious bullshit i'll put my ipod nano on shuffle it's your ipod (laughs) nano so is that full of pretentious bullshit are you a hipster fuck you got no i just thought that this would go over well if I was also making fun of myself. Okay. If you open my iPod nano, you realize that I might come off pretentious because the music I listen to is better than the music you listen to. Mm -hmm. So yes, like Godsmack and (laughs) (laughs) I have Godsmack on CD, like up here right now. Radical. Unironically love Godsmack. So yeah. So midsummer, what are your genuine, how had you really, what was your take? That status. Really that? Like, Actually that? No, like we're going to get into it, so that's fine. Okay, cool. But you can take that with a grain of salt. So not actually that. But not not that. So that, but less... Abrasive. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So something Kylie said, she said it was beautiful. It was mm-hmm. beautifully shot, and mm-hmm. I agree. And I was like, yep, I was completely sober, and it looked pretty. You're right. I went in there and I drank. Co- oh, oh, this is super funny. Did when did you see Midsummer? Opening night. Okay, who'd you see it with? Did you Bo, see it with Nick, Sarah, and Heather? No, uh, Bo and Heather. Oh, you saw it with Bo and Heather. Okay. Yeah. So I was in the mall and I saw you guys go into the movie theater before me, and I saw Zach James out in the food court area or whatever. And I was like, oh, dude, I bet they're going to go see Midsummer." And I went in there and I didn't see you guys. And I was very confused. We went to the 7 o'clock RPX showing. That's where we went. But I swear I saw you, Nick, Sarah, and Heather. 
It was just me, Heather, and Bo. I definitely didn't see Bo. You're Maybe it wasn't Bo. us. May, oh, it wasn't RPX. It was a regular showing, actually. Oh, I don't know what that is, actually. RPX is like the big screen. It's not the quite the IMAX size, but it's big. Okay, it's I, like, I, don't, I don't know what that is. And they actually. have comfy seats, comfier seats. Then definitely not that one. Okay, so I thought I was seeing Midsummer with you, and then we just missed each other in the theater. Yeah, I don't think that would happen, because I like stay there, and I... I don't. I, I don't know. I'm pretty like I. There's uh, to me. I thought it was miraculous that we didn't run into each other because I had seen you guys walk into the theater. Oh, so you for sure saw us. A hundred percent. It was you, Nick, Sarah, and Heather going into. We the saw Spider Man. That's what I determined. I was like, I bet they just went to go see Spider Man because there was also part of me that thought I don't think Heather could go see Midsummer. Mm-hmm. So. So Heather did see Midsummer. Okay. Um, you know, I prefer because uh, she's she'll probably listen to this. Yeah. Um, I prefer to not spoil. And anyone who hasn't seen Hereditary, please see Hereditary. We can get into it a little bit later if you like. I don't know if Dallas agrees with this, but this is me and my opinion here. Uh, Hereditary is my favorite film of all time, in my opinion. Ari Aster succeeded in no no filmmaker, in my opinion, has ever succeeded in doing what they want to do more, which in Hereditary is grab you by the fucking throat and just push your face into the mud and make you feel sorrow and despair and like horror and like grief. No one has ever done what they wanted to do in a film more effectively than Ari Aster did in Hereditary. That was my opinion. When I walked out of it, I felt like in the best possible way, I got taken for a fucking ride. I felt like I had no control. I felt like the director literally manipulated my every emotion in the most masterful way. And I don't mean that in a bad way, like manipulative, like, oh, we shot a horse and you're going to cry. You know, like not that kind of manipulated, like literally the filmmaking craft. He directed directed me. He just held my hand and dragged me through this story. And it was like amazing to me. And that is one of the only films, if not the only film that I can say in my adult life has genuinely horrified me. I'm a big horror movie guy for listeners who don't know. Uh, I love horror movies. They are my favorite kind of movie. They're what I consume the most of. And what if I ever do get into filmmaking, which I would love to do, that's what I'm going to do is primarily horror films. And this movie absolutely wrecked me. So if you haven't seen Hereditary, please see it. I'm not going to spoil it here. I'm going to try not to anyway. This Midsummer is the follow-up to Ari Aster's Hereditary. And so needless to say, he made my favorite film of all time. So I was very excited for this. So that's just a little context for me and how I feel about this going in. Thank you for that monologue, Zach. I really appreciate it. Um, I will absolutely say spoiler alert before we're going into Midsummer and Hereditary because I will talk about Hereditary and the differences in why our experience. What? how our experiences differentiate okay so differ excuse me um so going into midsummer this being the sophomore release from your new favorite filmmaker favorite film of all time how excited were you insanely excited and nervous i was like I I was way more nervous to see this movie weirdly than I was to do my first stand up set. Okay, okay. So I was not particularly enthused going into it. Going in, I was like, mm, I 
was hearing some whispers of reviews about how like gnarly it was and i knew that because you can't show the gnarly parts in trailers and they were, it was a very muted kind of trailer there mm-hmm. and teasers they were showing you it was kind of like wishy-washy just kind of more ominous than anything mm-hmm. that i knew there was going to be some things within this film that might be fucking disturbing mm-hmm. so a little background when i first saw hereditary Mm-hmm. I almost left the theater after that scene mm-hmm. that we, everyone refers to that scene and they know what we're talking about. They go, Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know why, because I've seen some horrible things in movies before, but I think that there was a deliberate pacing that mm-hmm. made it so much more punctuating when that, that happened. So, because you kind of like get to know these people mm-hmm. and you think that this character is the center of the film mm-hmm. and then they are not the mm-hmm. center. The What happens to them kind of centers it. So they really are ultimately the character, yeah. the center of the film. But usually when you have a protagonist, you follow them through the journey, through mm-hmm. the narrative. And this wasn't necessarily the case yeah. with Hereditary. However, the rest of the movie was just popcorn to me it was just kind of like really it was like the the wad was shot with that and then the rest of it was just candy it was just kind of like to me i was just like oh cool like more kind of crazy things but the crazy thing already happened like that to me was the closing bit or the last song or the encore song like the the hit that the band mm. plays and then the rest of it was just like b-sides b-side or like greatest hits or just kind of like it went through a really kind of normal and I, i'm i'm open to your influence or disagreement because i could watch it again i could see it again and maybe have my mind changed so uh yeah i think we're probably just gonna have to jump this so yeah. we're talking about hereditary yeah probably just have to jump right into spoilers so if spoiler you're listening, alert everyone we're gonna if spoil. you haven't seen hereditary pause this stop this don't come back until you fucking watch it you son of a bitch if so if you're still listening um <laughs> if you yeah i i think if you're concerned about watching hereditary if you can handle like you know sadness just like grief and stuff like that, mm-hmm. like really realistic grief and stuff. You can watch hereditary and I think you'll have a good time. And at very least it will be of worth watching because this is part of a conversation. I think in the greater all greater overall realm of horror, not that hereditary is the first movie to do the things it does. Cause it's far from that, but the way it does them is very special. And I think having seen the movie and having, the ability to talk about it is going to be kind of cool. If you have horror friends, if you mm-hmm. love horror, so it wasn't the execution, it was the style. So, so hold up. Okay. Uh, like it. Yeah. Please watch hereditary either way. Even if you don't think you'll like it, if you're a horror fan this is a very interesting conversation you can have with other horror fans. It's so, not just a horror movie. It's not just a horror movie. I, at very least it will be more than just a horror movie for you. And that's very special. I think nowadays, um, so anyway, uh, about hereditary jumping into spoilers now, he, whole hog cranking it out. Um, so that scene, yeah, I, I kind of know what you mean because when I saw that scene, I literally like, you know, in cartoons when there's like a prim proper lady and she's drinking tea and then the rat scurries across the floor and she goes, Oh my goodness. And she lifts up her like frock and like stands mm-hmm. on the couch and the table. Yeah. 
I'm a grown ass man. I'm 270 pounds. A little bit of that is muscle. A lot of it is fat. Um, I did that. I literally curled the fuck up in my seat and I have, I mean, never ever in my life done that. And it wasn't a jump scare. I think I it did wasn't, the same thing. it wasn't like, bink, and like, ah, shocking. It was shocking, but it wasn't because of a noise. It wasn't because of anything non diegetic within the film. It was literally something so fucking wrong it that was- I saw that it made me like, like, take a deep like gap like an it was, inward gasp yeah. it was like <gasps> it was like a smash cut to something static yeah and it was fucking no, no noise no, no nothing noise. no artificial like make this scary put some scary music put a weird effect on it so uh so we're we are in spoilers yeah um so kind of a little more background on this i saw the trailers for hereditary and i was like this looks kind of interesting and i saw that it was published by a24 who mm-hmm. i love they're one of i think like they're they're one of the companies breaking into the mainstream that's keeping like I don't mean this in a pretentious way because I love the MCU I love superhero movies mm-hmm. I'm a big comic guy no no shade on that no hate towards that I love all the superhero movies and especially the MCU has been doing a great job love that shit um, A24 is one of the publishers keeping kind of like uh, like higher concept movies in the mainstream they've developed kind of a name for themselves where they can keep these like weird movies whether it's like uh like hereditary or like good time Mm -hmm. or something even if you don't like them they're interesting the killing of a sacred deer uh uh, films like that in theaters and like the favorite um keeping those kind of movies in theaters and i love them for that so that was more why i was interested in hereditary is because like okay it's a24 like oh uh, it comes at night was also one that i was like not my favorite movie but like damn like that got a theater release that's kind of cool that they facilitated that fuck yeah um so that was more why i was interested in seeing hereditary they had the usual bullshit of like the scariest film you've ever seen and like don't bring your kids to this like heads will spin like (laughs) You won't be, you will leave the theater vomiting. And a lot of it was like, I was believing it. I was like, I think that they don't say that about a lot of things lately. The last time I heard it was when someone redid Evil Dead and it was just kind of an exciting movie. Yeah, exactly. So that's kind of what I took it as. I kind of took it like, like I agree with you yeah. on that. Yeah. I kind of took it the opposite way though. is because like, okay, this is something that someone says when the movie, because like they said it about, what's that movie, Veronica? Did you see Veronica? It's yeah, a, yeah. Ugh. It was, I turned it off. Yeah. So like Spanish horror film, a typical possession movie in every way, in my opinion. Yeah. I heard that same thing about Veronica and like, oh, it's the scariest thing. People turned it off. Blah, blah, Guess blah. what? Exorcism movies aren't fucking scary anymore. Watch the exorcist. Don't uh, watch the exorcist. Watch the exorcism of Emily Rose. And then you don't need to watch any more yeah, ever again. Last exorcism is cool. I don't know if you've seen that. That's got a cool twist on you it. You know what? I have the poster of that on my fucking ceiling in my bathroom. That's cool. Yeah. I, I really enjoy that movie. But anyway, um, so my point being like, I, I've really become super jaded to that of like, oh, it's the scariest thing you'll ever see. Yeah. Most of the time, nine out of 10 times, that's like this movie is, you know, like we got to really drum up some hype. So yeah. that's kind of what I took it as. Although I knew it was from A24 who typically doesn't make that kind of movie. Yeah. So... I almost didn't see Hereditary because of that. I was like, you know, this is giving me kind of vibes. Like, this is probably going to be either a really dumb jump scare fest or it's going to be a pretentious art movie, 
with a couple scares and people are like, oh, it's scary and it's really not scary in like a mm-hmm. visceral way. It's more scary in concept, yeah. which some people think it is, which I disagree with, but that's cool. That's fine. Fear and humor are very subjective, you know, like yeah. very, very subjective. Okay. No one person is going to find the same things funny or the same thing scary, you know, as scary as another. But um, so with Hereditary, I went in marketing heavily focuses on the character Charlie, who's a little girl has a very interesting face. He looks very odd, very unsettling kind of look to Charlie. And so the whole movie is led like Charlie is like, what's wrong with Charlie? Like what is happening here? And then there's a point in the movie where without spoiling too much, I'll just say without spoiling why I'll spoil what happens. That's kind of how I'll approach it. At okay. least we don't have to adhere to that at all. This is your podcast. So you don't, I don't need to tell you that, <laughs> but um, like that, that's just how I approach it. There's a point where she gets in an accident and she dies. And basically the way the scene plays out, you know, fuck it. I'm just going to spoil it because it's amazing and I love it. This is why I love the movie. That's why I would yes. should be talking about it. Never mind. I'm going to stop trying to not spoil it. Go watch the fucking movie. If you're still here for some reason, watch this fucking movie. So the, the scene plays out and the family has just experienced a death of their grandmother. The mother of this family is, has clearly very mixed feelings about this, her mother, the grandmother who just died. And the whole family seems kind of weirdly not too affected by it. They seem to be very distrustful of her and they seem to not know who she really was or why she acted the way she was. She was very distant according to the family and like weird and no one seems super sad. So it's kind of a weird thing. The film starts with a funeral for a person that nobody seems to really know or like or mm-hmm. like get. So that that the movie starts off with this very ominous kind of feeling of like, this is like kind of like wrong feeling. Mm-hmm. They have this funeral for this person that it doesn't even seem that they like. So that's already kind of like a weird feeling to start a movie on. Like literally the first thing you see other than the like dollhouse thing, but that's no time for that. So the only person in this family who seems to have any sort of attachment to this grandmother who dies at the beginning of the movie is Charlie. She's this very odd little girl, very socially awkward, very strange looking kind of like appearance, like the way she dresses and like really disheveled and odd and acts very odd. She's the only one who seems to like the grandmother and seems to be the only person in the family that the grandmother had any genuine sense of like connection with for some reason. Um, So the movie puts this big focal point on Charlie. There's a point where the older brother to Charlie says he's going to go to a party. He's this young stoner kid. And the mom's like, oh, why don't you take Charlie? She'll have fun. Why? I don't know. Uh, The kid clearly would not ever want to go to something like that, (laughs) but um, takes her to a party she is allergic to nuts. They're serving cake with nuts. I'm doing it a disservice by explaining it this way. But um, she eats the cake with nuts and starts to have like an anaphylactic reaction. And the brother sees that and sees that she's like, her throat's closing up and it's really stressful and tense. And this kid is clearly like this dumb stoner kid who wouldn't know how to handle this situation. And, and he's fucking high. He's high as fuck. And so on the way driving his little sister, who's having this reaction to the hospital, they're driving by, she rolls down the window and she sticks her head out to get some air. And all of a sudden an electric pole flashes by, it cuts and you hear the sound of the little girl's head getting knocked clean off. And then the brother, he just stops the car 
And like, this is where and why this affects me so much. He just stops and you see like genuine shock, like not just like, Oh, he's surprised. Like genuine, like when people go into shock mm. is how that read to me. He just sits there and you just see him think about like what just happened. Yeah. Like it's so real feeling and it's like really uncomfortable again, this feeling of like reality to this. Yeah. It's not the like, because this, isn't, this isn't some serial killer that just killed someone and you found yeah. their body. This isn't someone that you were running from. Yeah. This was an emergency. His sister was get going into anaphylactic shock, having an allergic reaction and he has to get her home and he's mm -hmm. high as fuck. Mm -hmm. And then he's driving her home. She has to open the window. She can't breathe, sticks her head out and he's driving and he, drives too close to a telephone pole and she gets decapitated yeah knocks her head off and it's like he didn't want her to go in the first place he's high he there's this girl that he likes that he went to the party to go see basically um and just like all of these emotions like you just really see it on his face and you just see him processing like what mm. just happened and then he just drives home and he goes to bed and it doesn't cut away from him you see him walk into his bedroom and he sits and he lays down in his bed and it's just a close up on his eyes. There's a smash cut to the same exact shot, same composition, but it's daytime, which is a really kind of unsettling effect in and of itself. And you hear his mom say, bye, I'm going to work. And she goes and she sees the body of Charlie, the girl who just died, who just got her head knocked off. And you hear this blood curdling scream, the most genuine fear I've ever heard an actor portray and like sadness that I've ever heard her portray. And it's still lingering on his face. You don't see what the mom sees in the car. You just see this shot on this kid's face. Who's clearly full of regret and sadness and confusion. And like just fucking fear, like has no idea how to process what just happened. And then it smash cuts again to the girl's head, severed head, like a kid's head. And it's so unsettling. And it's like you have seen in hundreds of movies, if you're a horror movie fan, especially people get their heads cut off and really realistic heads and gore and stuff. But the way that they handle the emotion of this, it's not just like this is cool and gory. It's like the full the focal point of this is how this character feels about what just happened and is real. It's not like, ah, scary. It's like he just killed his sister and they fully marinate in that. Like completely. And then after the shot of the head, which is gruesome as fuck. Yeah. Absolutely disgusting and realistic looking. Yeah. And there's fucking ants, like big fucking yeah. scorpion king ants yeah. on this fucking person's head. This little girl's head that has just been drained of its blood and it's been, Ugh, you know, scorched by the sun and it, you see the colors. So it changes from this real, these really dark colors to this really yeah, bright the color gore. Changes. Yeah. And it's not what happens. And so that's kind of something interesting that Ari Aster might do with color in film yeah. because the lighting and setting changes yeah, is really interesting. Very, that's a very good point. It is surprising because, because it's not like a you Kylie said something to me afterwards after we saw Midsummer, and I'll kind of jump ahead here. Um, she said, I've never been scared of the daytime, mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. the way that movie kind of made me feel. Yeah, yeah, for and sure. I'm, I might be like totally butchering what she said, but like we were going home and it was dark, and I felt totally more 
comfortable yeah. there than I would during the day. Than in the beautiful like scenery of that. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I heard um, someone speaking in like some Swedish like that week and I was like, get the fuck away from me. Yeah, seriously. Um, so yeah, like it's, it's that smash cut of him in his room. Just, he stayed up all night. He didn't sleep a wink and like that cut from him in his dark dingy room where he didn't even bother to take his fucking shoes off. Like little details like that, Mm -hmm. you know, where he cannot handle what he just did. You know, it's really, really affecting. And then the cut to the head. And like you said, it's broad daylight as opposed to this dingy room. And it's like really surprising. And then it cuts to the shot of the mother, like heaving, sobbing, like again, the most realistic portrayal of just like, grief loss, and like yeah. sadness and loss and just like confusion and like it's absolutely heartbreaking so i think that is like the moment of the movie that's yeah. like wow the thing for me that gets me is like the rest of the movie is kind of spent like how this mother and their family like deals with this mm. and the mom clearly is like not able to communicate her emotions and yeah. so that's one of the things that separates this movie as um a lot of movies like you kind of say like popcorn is yeah. just like I feel like a popcorn movie wouldn't like rely so heavily on the actual characters and how they're really feeling like the deeper parts of these emotions and stuff. Um, and then the climax of the movie is essentially like Charlie died because the grandmother, her, the secretive nature of the grandmother is revealed to be an effect of her being part of a cult that was trying to bring a uh, ancient like demon named Payman into reality. And the first time they did it, it didn't work. It didn't, they didn't uh, take, it didn't take basically. And um, they were, it was said that like um, the mother character played by Tony Collette, um, her brother killed himself yeah. and it was assu- like the movie leads you to believe or leaves hints that it like he killed himself because they tried to perform this exact ritual on him. It didn't work. He needs a uh, male vessel is what they say. Charlie was supposed to be a boy, but it wasn't. And no one really knows why. So Charlie was an unfit vessel for this demon that they're trying to bring in. So at the end of the movie, Tony Collette finds out why her mom was so secretive. And the climax of the movie is that in trying to rid herself of this like curse that's kind of been put on her kid, and like over this house, she unwitting, unwittingly gets possessed by the demon that was intended for Charlie's body, who was not fit, you know, who was who, who didn't take, who died, you know. And um, the climax of the movie is the son who's like racked with guilt is now faced with his mother, the person who even before being possessed, like maybe doesn't hate him but he's such a stoner kind of like directionless person. And then he did this to her daughter and they never talked about it because it was fucked up dysfunctional family, which is the thing about the movie that I think they handled so well is like, it doesn't feel contrived. It doesn't feel like dysfunction for the sake of it to make drama. It feels like very much like the way broken families do feel like some of my family members behave. Honestly, my favorite part of the whole movie is when the dad dies. Oh yeah. That scene. So insane. I think that if we want to get to midsummer, we need to jump to midsummer yeah. before time runs out. Yeah, you're probably right. Sorry, folks. But I appreciate um, how because the way you ta- talked about hereditary just now made me want to like go fucking watch it because I feel like 
what I took away from it is just not as informed as what you just kind of described. And I think it's really helpful for an educated audience to go into movies and give them a second chance. Like I tried to do to you with Halloween even. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that was just, you know, a fun exercise in that, but let's get to midsummer fucker. Okay. Uh, yeah. So midsummer kind of starts with a scene very similar to the scene. So yeah, you mentioned the most blood curdling scream ever. Yeah. And Lawrence Pugh. Yeah. So I had, I discussed this in, I believe Lyriel's episode, maybe Mm. episode. Mm. Yeah. Lyriel's episode. Um, I could be wrong. Maybe it was Clara's episode. I forget. But you do a great job at explaining, actually. I'd rather you do it. <laughs> so the like opening yeah, just scene? Just opening scene. Yeah. Again, he just has this way of like putting you in the emotions of this movie. It's a couple. Uh, it's just kind of like shot. Yeah, I'll fill in the blanks too. Yeah, yeah. thank you. It's just kind of like a shot of a girlfriend kind of pacing around worried, looking at a text that you see. She doesn't say it out loud mm-hmm. from her sister saying like some cryptic shit. Yeah, it was an email, right? Yeah, it was an email um, just saying some really concerning things like leading her to believe that she might be suicidal. Yeah, she said um, something to the effect of everything's getting black but Mm. don't worry it's okay i'm leaving mom and dad are coming too yeah that's right that's right um yeah so that's obviously very concerning uh her sister is bipolar i think is what they say Mm -hmm. um and so she's concerned she's calling her boyfriend for comfort and he's out with his buddies and he's like trying to comfort her but he also knows like that her sister has done this before before and he's kind of like yeah and anyone who's experienced people in their family unfortunate this isn't something unfortunate Any, anyone who's experienced something, someone in their family or friend group that does have some sort of mental illness that there are a lot of false alarms and that there are a lot of indulgences and it might seem like they are doing things for attention yeah and you do have to kind of um unfortunately have some sense of when is a serious moment and when isn't. Yeah. And the boyfriend is taking this as one of those, um, you know, non-emergency situations, yeah. trying to chalk it up to something that his, his girlfriend is taking too seriously. Yeah. And whether he earnestly believes that or not, we don't know because yeah. he you, seems exhausted. Yeah. He's exhausted of it. So it could be just him trying to deflect the situation entirely, whether it may, may, may or may not be something that warrants the attention it deserves. Yeah. So that's kind of how the opening is framed. And eventually she's like calling him and texting him and stuff. And like, she seems increasingly more and more worried. Then it, she calls again and he answers the phone and she's just screaming again, just like Ari Aster. I don't know if this is him. They're amazing actresses for Mm -hmm. sure. So it's them, you know, but the performances that he kind of like, you know, seems to want out of them and get out of them is so fucking bone chilling. Like again, one of those moments where it just sent fucking shivers down my spine. And I was like on the verge of like, like having just like a panic attack. It was so real feeling just Mm -hmm. like, fuck like i can't stand how like real this feels like just imagine being in the room with someone who just saw that happen or had that happen and that's what it fucking felt like you know like no it it did it was fucking like i said when i first saw hereditary and we had that decapitation scene i could have left the theater right then and Mm -hmm. there and i almost did i considered it it was an earnest fucking motive but i stuck around and stayed because i went 
oh, I want to see what happens next. Nothing's yeah. ever made me feel this way. Yeah. But I did know I was going to see an Ari Aster film. So I saw this. Um, you didn't already mention what happens, did you? No. Okay. So go go for it. So blood curdling scream. She calls her boyfriend. He answers. And he knows because of that scream that something serious. And in, in the middle of all this, in between calling her boyfriend, she's calling her parents to figure out what the fuck's going on. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they're not answering. They're, they're elderly. They're asleep. They're getting the voicemail. The message is yeah. picking it up and it cuts to a scene of them just in the bed and then the machine answering it. Yeah. So then after that, after they kind of establish that the parents are asleep, you know, like the sister said, mom and dad are coming with me. Mm -hmm. It cuts to a shot of a car with a hose duct taped to it that leads to the parents' bedroom. And then a split Which is in the- covered in duct tape. Covered they, in duct tape. Super taped Sealed everywhere. up. The hose is leading into the parents' bedroom. So she fills there's, with smoke. Yeah. there's. I think there's multiple hoses. So yeah, the hose splits at one point. So one part of the hose is leading to the parents' bedroom that mm-hmm. has been sealed. Yeah. And so smoke from the car exhaust is going into the room. Then the other part of the hose is leading to her face. She duct taped the hose to her face down her like throat, presumably. And so she just killed herself and her parents by suffocating them with car exhaust. And they show it. And the corpses look very fucking real. And th- she... Go ahead. Sorry. And it zooms in on the face of the uh, sister sister who just did this mm-hmm. and zooms eventually like the computer screen behind her with which she was sending these emails is revealed and it shows that she has like 20 unread messages from her sister telling what's yeah. wrong what's up with yeah. mom and dad and it's just like all those little touches just feel so you so realize real. during this whole conversation she's having with her boyfriend she's freaking out he's trying to calm her down she's trying to get a hold of her sister she's not emailing her back she's calling her parents the voicemail is uh, answering a voice uh, answering machines getting it that they're dead they're all mm-hmm. dead they've been dead. killed by a fu- fucking murder suicide yeah essentially and it's just like really intense then it cuts to a shot of the uh florence Pugh's character like the girlfriend as we've been referring to her as on the boyfriend's lap mm-hmm. just rocking and crying and like really unbelievably like heaving sobbing and just like too much too yeah. too real feeling like yeah unbelievably real feeling and then basically the movie goes on she's still dealing with that and it's revealed really way more organically than we're doing here that the boyfriend has been having doubts about her because she seems so needy she has these family problems and her his buddies are saying like dude what is up with this this is happening like every other day it's always like a false alarm because they're like you break up with her already like why are you doing this like you, you know you've been wanting to be out of this relationship for a fucking year why are we going through it and then this happens and so he feels as if he can't now is kind of the dynamic that Mm -hmm. they're going for so we're still in spoiler territory so if you guys are like ah what the fuck midsummer i thought you were spoiling hereditary and you just heard all that from midsummer find a new podcast (laughs) (laughs) fucking idiots um i'm just kidding i love you guys sorry if we spoiled midsummer for you um what i kind of want to do in so many words without summarizing it mm-hmm. is just get into what you thought of midsummer without okay you know yeah rambling. don't give me a synopsis but give me what you thought okay and i'll give you what i thought i'll interrupt you we'll have a conversation on a cinematography and editing level 
this shit was masterful. Ah, like, yeah. beautiful. Editing was amazing. A big step up from an already amazing movie in Hereditary in terms of editing and cinematography. A huge step up. Um, much more unique in its tone, which, uh, again, Hereditary was already very special in how it felt to me. But Midsummer, even more so. Love the tone. I think in terms of, like, pacing, there were a lot of, like, kind of what I think you were probably getting at with your status there. There was a lot of just kind of like maybe, in my opinion, maybe overindulgent shots that went on too long. Like you've established this tone. That doesn't mean you like go hog wild and completely change and just speed everything up too much. But yeah. like there was a lot of like kind of meandering moments of the movie. Mm-hmm. But overall, I think the tone is so unique. The setting is so weird. The fact that they can make you scared of broad daylight and this beautiful scenery is amazing. The gore is realistic as shit. There are gory moments that you'll get to, which, I mean, since we're just giving synopsis, I won't, there's no point in me saying, but you see some really realistic mutilation and, uh, you see, uh, you, yeah, there, you see some stuff. And I think in terms of that showing it in broad daylight, ballsy as fuck, like with the effects, you know, yeah. to do that with those like real practical effects is like hard to do and make it convincing. And they did. Um, kind of a lot of dark comedy in this, which was sort of surprising. Okay. And I thought that was cool. That's not something in hereditary really at all. No, I don't think there's, there's a single laugh. funny about hereditary. I don't think there's a single laugh in hereditary, which is fine. There it is pure either. drama. Yeah. Pure drama, pure dread. This has a little bit more of a dark comedy lean to it. So th- I was very disillusioned with what might be comic relief in some movies, but was quite a fucking pull out method for me. Mm. Every time there was some comic relief or something funny, Mm. it pulled me out of the severity of the situation they were in. Mm -hmm. And it pulled me out of the fact that we just watched this sister killer parents. Yeah. And we're now dealing with the tumultuous relationship post yeah post murder suicide. So, uh, in short, I like hereditary a lot more still. I, one of the things about Midsummer that I find kind of unfulfilling is like Hereditary, they really dive into that theme of like loss and grief and like, you know, like inevitability and like sort of like they feel like puppets in that movie. And this one, the theme of like this relationship and kind of like their dynamic, yeah. it kind of gets forgotten. Like the whole like element of, oh, this like girl's parents, uh, parents and sister are dead because of this murder suicide that doesn't really make it too much in a thematically it does but in a direct way it doesn't have any like plot thing it seems more like a backstory for this character which is fine that's not necessarily the worst thing in the world but like in terms of thematics it kind of gets dropped it kind of becomes this more just like wicker man sort of like weird cult things happen these weird creepy people do weird creepy things and that element of the story doesn't really go anywhere except for in the very end she feels like more of a sense of belonging that she never felt with her partner it, it it was strange it felt um and i'm not trying to say this just to be like a troll but it felt very much like a feminist film where it was this lady who was not having the support from the man she was with then was championed in a world where she could mutilate like this man and those kind of poisonous outside men were mutilated and killed and then there was even the men who volunteered their own deaths also for the 
pageantry of the queen and the midsummer queen whatever title Mm -hmm. i might be mistaking and it felt very like it could very well have been like a kind of like a political statement as well but i also didn't necessarily walk away from that thinking oh i just saw some fucking liberal propaganda bullshit again i didn't come away from it like that but that was also a very like recurring thought of like okay did i just see like a more of a pro women film as opposed to most um uh slasher movies like where you might see more women getting killed and like the virgin lives and there's a like slut shaming and just different kind of themes that kind of like flooded in my head um what did you think about these gory scenes because the first one where they do the cliff dive I saw mm-hmm. coming a mile away when they walked out of the building and sat down. I was like, these people are dying. Yeah. Yeah. This is like a, there, there's no, the, the dude before said 72 dude, they're going to die. Like he did the yeah, yeah. thing on neck. I was like, these people are dying. Like yeah. there's no way they're making it through this. Yeah. This is what they just foreshadowed mm-hmm. in the scene previous. And then the like people walked up and then saw these people walk up a big fucking thing. It's like, what did you think was going to happen? Like us as viewers saw it coming and then it wasn't surprising when they did it but the image of their heads bashed open and then mm. that and then the man himself not dying but surviving the fall and being mutilated and then being killed with a hammer in the sort of like a, a mercy killing after his voluntary death failed failed yeah and it was just then they were freaking out and it was like what like like i know that they had the premise of like oh you misunderstood what we meant when we said they're going to fucking die, you know? Yeah, yeah. And the audience, I feel, was like, well, we knew. Yeah. Also, yeah, I, I agree. Also, 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 I'm sorry to cut you off. There's a point, there's this interlude between the them going to Sweden and then after her parents and sister are dead. Where, they where they're talking. Different. <laughs> where they're talking and with... um. The chick is talking. I, I remembered all of their names and now I can't remember any yeah, of their too. names. I'm really embarrassed. But the female protagonist is talking to the Swedish fella mm-hmm. that he's friends with that gets him and all of them to go to Sweden for mm-hmm. this uh, thing. And he says, oh, it's really silly. Like, you'll probably see all the pageantry and think it was very ridiculous. And and I thought that that was like a filmmaker cue saying you're, what you're about to see is going to seem kind of ridiculous after having seen that because everything I saw after that was ridiculous. Mm. And I thought it was just a lot of pageantry and it was a lot of like very pretty things shot well and a lot of like gory things shot well with not a lot of good linear narrative, not a like, it was like someone wanted to do a slasher film but wasn't totally committed. And then someone wanted to do like a cult film but wasn't totally committed. And then someone wanted to do like a drum film, but wasn't totally committed. And it was like a lot of like, kind of like fizzled out things. Like the sky eagle thing, when he walks in, finds his friend like eaten. I was like, I've seen Hellraiser, bitch. Like there's much worse things. Like it wasn't shocking. He obviously was going to find his friends that have just been missing for days for some reason. And no one's talking about it. Yeah. It was just kind of obvious. It was just like, I felt like the movie kind of insulted the viewership intelligence because it was like, really? These people are that stupid? Yeah. There's no way. 
No, honestly, uh, that's one of the things about the movie that I do agree with is like, I didn't feel necessarily that I was surprised by anything, but what I did get that I don't get out of most horror movies is just like that sense of genuine, like, fuck, like, like that. So as far as the, your example with like the people like, oh, they're going to die for sure. You know, yeah. like the old people, mm -hmm. that kind of sense of inevitability was a little scary in and of itself for me as far as like. The, oh, these people that are missing for days and like obviously they're fucking getting killed by these creepy, weird, like Swedish people. Uh, yeah, I, I, I do agree with that. Like, I, I feel like the movie kind of went exactly the way I thought it would going in. Like, they're going to Sweden and there's this weird shit happening and these people are obviously going to like, you know, use you in some sort of weird ritual and I, I didn't get any sort of surprises out of that. But what I did get kind of a surprise mm -hmm. out of is like the way that they structured the film and the way that they took you on this kind of ride and made you feel like so uncomfortable with them and like so alienated. And I think that they did a really good job with that in terms of it's like tone and like the visuals were very unsettling because they were so pretty, but all this weird and horrible stuff is happening and like this very weirdly sexual, I'd like to call it's not accurate to call them undertones because they're definitely overtones, but mm. like, you know, like I think that is what I got out of that experience is just this like kind of weird, not necessarily unpredictable, but disorienting. And because it's so bright, kind of weird and harsh. And because you see everything in those scenes kind of harsh, whereas a lot of movies it's very fast and it's very like in the dark and you feel like, Oh, some gore. This like one was I, I more, can, I can squint and I didn't have to really experience it. Yeah, exactly. This and this one visceral. was, yeah, very visceral. And like, cause there's people's heads being explicitly bashed open, bashed the fuck open, like in broad daylight in the center of the frame. Voluntarily. Voluntarily. Yeah. Which kind of adds an element of weirdness to it all that I don't really see in other things, you know, like that, and that just, that culty feeling I got of just like, these people are totally like buying into this. Yeah. And like that, I don't know. That's just a weird thing to think Have about. You like seen... when you think about like the Jim Jones shit, like yeah. it's like, yeah, it yeah. makes your fucking skin crawl, you know, like, yeah. That's fair. I, what, something I had also said on Instagram, I said, I don't even know what the fuck to call that movie. Was it supposed to be a comedy? It was like the witch and in green inferno had an abortion. <laughs> yeah. I can kind of see that because to me, that's what it was. Cause it took the gore and then the naive group of people from green inferno. Then mm -hmm. it had the cult elements or like the wicker man or something. Yeah. Or the wicker man. Yeah. Or the, and the witch. And it was had this foreboding, like, daytime things are going on yeah. too so it um all kind of mixed in with me and it was like i wasn't as pleased this is something that where i was going into hereditary knowing that this was gonna hopefully the reviews were gonna be correct mm -hmm. and i went into midsummer and the reviews were falsified or they i didn't feel like they aligned the same so i was kind of i felt almost misled like when I left the movie theater, I didn't feel very different. I just feel like I can't believe I spent that much money to go see that movie. I'm kind of mad. Really? Yeah. See, I did not at all get that. Like I'm kind of a shysty person in general, but I was like, fuck, I wish I just waited instead of spending money on that. <laughs> yeah. See, I personally, I didn't get that. I do agree with a lot of the stuff you're saying that it was kind of predictable. And I saw Captain Marvel in theaters. Yeah, that was that was very. Just kidding. Like, I'm just kidding. I was just like the one movie ticket around. It was a decent movie. It was um, fine. Yeah, and nothing wrong with that. But I did see 
um, girl who played in the spider's web. Her girl caught in the spider's web. Whatever that. Oh. What's, that what's that called? I had the book. Right. The girl in the spider's web. Yeah. Fucking dog shit. Really? What, easily might be the worst movie I've ever seen in theaters. Oh shit. It was like a TV movie. I was like a kid. It, it kind of looked like that. It was the if you go to the from David Fincher to whatever the <laughs> who the fuck ever that is fucking dog shit that made the girl in the spider's web. It was like someone neutered it. Yeah. Because it was like this really female empowering film in Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Mm -hmm. And then they were like, all right, but now you're not allowed to do anything, say anything, or show anything. Go. Yeah. But remember, females, powerful. Go. Ah. Yeah, yeah. Sucked. Yeah. But back to Midsummer. Yeah. Um, yeah. As far as like, I, I didn't necessarily have that feeling. I came out feeling very much like I got taken on like a cool ride. Not as much the like just fucking mind shredding experience that like hereditary was, yeah. but still very cool and like trippy. And the acid scenes were very neat. I don't know at all if that's how that shit actually so, goes. So that was, um, they were taking psilocybin, which mm -hmm. is mushrooms the whole time. And that is 100% what it looks like when you're on LSD. Mm. And I've only like microdosed rooms, so I'm not entirely sure. Mm. I didn't get any visuals from that. But from what I'm told that those images were, from what I read, excuse me, was um, in fact detailed from Ari Aster's psychedelic experience. Oh, interesting. So it was, to me, 100% like that's it what it looks very, like. That's exactly what it reminds me of like when I've been on acid and like- I'm glad they that. just didn't do the whole like, oh, I'm seeing dragons and like yeah, that no, kind that's, of corny that thing. that does not happen. Yeah, but I the know. the face d happens, the textures moving around yeah. happens, the like flowers breathing bullshit, yeah, sure. that happens without yeah. a doubt. Yeah, that's what I was kind of like glad to see is that it wasn't like a trip hang out and yeah. like- like it was like One more thing, subtle and like, the, the thing, like again, yeah. like unsettling and just like, like you're already, you know, weird spot. Like this is bad. You yeah. know, like I really empathized with that. The one thing that made me the most nauseous in the entire film was the silverware when they all would go clink, 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 clink. And they were like setting up to like, oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know why, but I was like, Oh God, I gotta throw up. I gotta, I gotta go. I gotta pass. Oh, I weird. Oh, it was so weird. I don't know why, but it, it was like, it hit like a nerve. But honestly, if you see Irreversible by Gaspar Noe, like it's going to make you feel much more nauseous than anything in that film did. Irre I, I have seen that. Yeah. yeah. To me, Irreversible was much like more disorienting and like nauseating and like upsetting than. Yeah, for sure. Than I think they have like different goals, though. Too True. That That's very important. And I think uh, I sometimes forget to kind of state that is these movies are very different and they're very different motivationally. They have different goals. You're going to have a different outcome i think that's something that i was kind of upset with a midsummer about is i don't know what you were trying to get out of so, me but what you got out of me stopped when the opening credits rolled I after her parents were dead i think midsummer was a very horrific movie but i think it's kind of a disservice to market it as a horror movie there's a difference between a movie True. that is horrific and a horror movie also they that's marketed like, the oracle like it was some big part of the movie you see him twice you yeah, see, her, see him twice yeah that was, was weird so stupid that was a very odd choice yeah that that's one of my other gripes about the movie is like that character and what it meant but no. maybe i haven't watched it again so maybe i'll get more on the second mm -hmm. viewing maybe who knows but um yeah that's kind of something a24 did with it comes at night they marketed that as a straight horror movie. That is not a straight horror movie. That is a like, no spoilers like, on that one. Okay, well, I kind of already spoiled it by saying it's not a horror movie. So I don't go in expecting fine. it to be a horror movie that's at fine. all because it's like a, it's like a basically like a, 
trapped in the house sort of like thriller drama kind of thing. Okay. Like Fair enough. stuck with strangers sort of movie. Gotcha. But with horrific elements and horrific imagery, but nothing necessarily horrific diegetically like in the movie. Not not so much like kind of, but not really kind of like Midsummer. And they were both marketed as like horror movies. Like you're mm-hmm. going to shit and piss and come out of fear. <laughs> and it's really not like that. Whereas I think hereditary the climax of hereditary who golly, like, I don't know about you, but that shit really got me. I was jumping at my shadow. And like I said, no other film ever has made me do that as an adult. Yeah. I'm trying to think of what it reminded me of. I've mm-hmm. seen a lot of, um, <laughs> yeah, that was pretty gnarly. That sucked. Um, he, he was motioning this really brutal scene in Hereditary, which is all the more reason to go watch it since I don't have video for the yeah. podcast. Um, the ending, like, I don't know. Loved it. I, it was a good Lo- ending. Loved it. Good ending. I feel like... One of my favorite I really, really like film. the visual effects because uh, it didn't seem... It seemed very practical looking. Yeah. And I appreciated that because if there's practical looking effects, it's all the means all the more to me. One of the things about the ending of Hereditary specifically that I really loved is the music and how triumphant it felt because it kind of puts you in the shoes almost of the cult. And see, that's what happened at the end of Midsummer, and yeah. I hated it because I don't give a fuck about the triumphs of this cult because they just killed a bunch of people I like and mm. I barely liked them. And then it was like the person that I was rooting for to kind of like man up and like either fucking dump this girl or support her mm-hmm. it was just a fucking idiot well that's why i was glad that he got fucking iced dude it took so long and it was just like what i don't know kylie had this hilarious fucking idea have you seen workaholics uh i have i think i, I know generally what you're going when he's at. in the bear suit yeah when he's in the bear suit she was gonna post a picture of that and she's like oh yeah you guys should go see midsummer <laughs> yeah 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 but um yeah no i think that was kind of like the message of the film is like that that she saw that part was like you saw it a mile away he looks at the picture of the fucking bear with the things flames coming out of it and i was like oh foreshadowing maybe yeah that was that was a weird part of the movie those paintings in the early parts of the movie so so odd yeah they literally spell everything out for you oh is that what's gonna happen shocker i'm so mad yeah, it seems like you didn't like this. <laughs> um, I, I didn't quite have that reaction. I do agree, though. That's weird. But that's also, like, subtle enough to where it's like... Unlike... So, the tapestry, where they're like, it's a love story, and it's like a fucking minute and a half long pan across yeah. this, like, tapestry. That was not even slightly subtle. No. But um, the the paintings in the background, that's more like... You have to you have to be looking for that, I think. Well, look... Not when, that it's w- subtle, but you have to be it's looking. true. When you go to a movie in a theater, the screen is huge huge i can fucking see it that's true but not everyone is like that no not everyone is like that so i'm just speaking out of my experience if you dum-dums were shook by midsummer well lick my asshole good for you (laughs) stupid (laughs) uh you're an asshole thank you i am but um, what do you think of me you're an asshole. Thank you. Um, <laughs> uh, no, but um, no, I, 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 I would be being super dishonest if I said that like, oh, this movie really surprised me. The opening surprised the yeah. fucking Christ out no, of me. Yeah, really, I was not ready really for that. That's why Heather went fucking. She should not have seen that. Yeah, I was going to say no, seriously, because I had seen you guys thinking you were going into that. And I was like, maybe I didn't see them because they left because I've left movies with Kylie before because something was just 
like one of us was having an anxiety attack mm-hmm. and we just couldn't do it. And I was just like, eh, I'm good, you know? And I thought for sure, just almost referentially knowing Heather that that would be crossing a line with you guys. Like that would yeah. be fucked up. Yeah. She, it definitely got her like, you know, a little bit, but she, she was able to handle it. Good for which her. Was good. Um, you know, I was surprised Kylie was like, it's a lot. I, would, I was like, okay, if you want to go, I'm good to go. Cause that was gnarly. I, I, exact same thing for me. I was on like, I can come back and I'll know it's coming and I'll be okay. But I'm fucked right now. Yeah. I was on a tip, dude. That got me so out of like my comfort zone. Uh, I was like, fuck ooh, no. Yeah. I was like, Oh shit. Can I protect ourselves? Can we protect? Yeah. yeah I was like, go? there was like a weird, like, like physical anxiety of like, are we safe here? Yeah. So yeah. I appreciate I that. felt so like, Oh, that's, Jesus. that's something about, and that's like, something I wish kind of had like maintained. state maintained throughout the film. Like the scene where they, first, before they get into the village, like proper yeah. and they take the like mushrooms and she goes in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. That was kind of like a conjuring, like jump scare kind of thing almost in a way, but they didn't have yeah. the music, which, you know, honestly yeah. it does a lot, you know, to just, just the simple act of letting the scene be the scene. does a lot for me with that kind of thing. Cool. When you start adding the like music and shit and like the, you know, yeah. that, that kind of makes it feel a little more cheap. But, um, but yeah, that sense of like dread didn't, that kind of dread didn't like, you know, persist throughout the movie, but a different kind for me did where it was like, are these people like, cause my experience with Midsummer was more like, so these people are definitely going to do some fucked up shit, but is there going to be a reason for it? Mm-hmm. And is someone going to maybe get on board? That's the kind of thing I was kind of thinking throughout the movie. And it unfortunately didn't go there. It kind of went just to like, yeah, they're weird, crazy cult people. They didn't, they're doing a ritual, you know? Yeah. And that was a little disappointing. I won't lie. But in terms of like the experience, cause I'm very much like a tone guy with my movies. Okay. That's kind of why I like like a racer head and like David Lynch. Mm-hmm. I can get down with that weird, uncomfortable tone mm-hmm. and maybe the mechanics of the story yeah, aren't I necessarily kinda, I have lined to be up. in a mood for those tones, which I, I really appreciate when I am in that mood and something delivers. Yeah. And I think part of, it kind of goes back to the marketing thing. The way that they marketed this movie, it puts you in the mood like you're going to go see a horror movie. This is less hereditary is a horror movie for sure, but it's a pretty... It's more like horror atypical and horror pretty movie. dramatic. Yeah, and it's this a horror drama. Pretty dramatic and a little horror. Yeah, yeah. Hereditary is definitely a horror movie, but it's pretty atypical in a lot of ways. Very dramatic, very slow, and like care very character driven. And this that was He's that was fair to be marketed next. as a horror movie. This one I would say not so much. He's gonna do a comedy next. Yeah, yeah, I saw. Which is interesting. Have you watched his short films? I haven't, but I heard that I'm interested because if, because that's, I feel like that's his strong suit is the short bursts of horror. They are a trip. I highly recommend you watch Ari Aster's short you films. Well, uh, we're come com- cutting it pretty close here. I need to go get ready for work and stuff, dude. Uh, any closing thoughts or any closing comments or anything you want to bring up or talk about? Um, Annabelle Creation was one of the worst fucking movies I've ever seen in my life. Is that the new one? Yeah. Okay. It's the third I, Annabelle. I haven't movie. seen any of the Annabelles, but um I do love the Conjuring series. There it's untouchable for me. Number 2 is pretty scary. To me, number Conjuring 2 is scarier than anything he's on Midsummer. 
Good night. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really don't like the conjuring too, but uh, yeah. What the fuck is wrong with people? Was I just on, there was, I feel like, was I on happy pills? I just, I you had must the, have been I microdosing. Had the, you fucking the hippie. Best experience <laughs> watching the conjuring too. I was scared. I was cold. I felt everything. You know, I understand how the end, it becomes like this, like action hero. We kind of ending, but mm. like, it was still um, like, I f- fucking loved it. I didn't hate the conjuring too. I just was kind of like, eh. yeah. like, and I, I, I don't know. I, I'd have to watch it again. It has been a while, I'm also but very, Annabelle two yeah. or, and I'm sorry, Annabelle creation, which is the third Annabelle yeah. straight up hate. Like well, the nun wow. was, was sucky too. It was that was another yeah. movie that was pretty but sucked. Yeah, I, but there's something the there's something there's something like adorable so about the nun. I hated the nun at first, but then I kind of started thinking of the nun like, okay, this isn't a very like tension tension and release kind of based horror movie as like maybe say like, it was like an adventure was. horror movie. It's it's the fucking chainsaw horror of like Evil Dead, where it's like we're gonna just fucking go. You know, like Evil Dead's, there's not much like tension and release and yeah. scares and like, dr- like dread. Mm-hmm. And like, it's like, we're going to just bombard you. And like the first Evil Dead, like the fucking, you know, the deadites just like yeah. in the, like taunting you and fucking with you. And like, yeah. it's like a really like fast and just kind of There's like, this certain sweet spot, like a really good song. There's this really certain sweet spot of the first Evil Dead, this like five to 10 minute portion that is just pure like guitar solo yeah. horror. Yeah, I love it. It is like like I used to fall asleep to Evil Dead because it was like one of those schlocky films you can just relax to and just pass out. Yeah. And then I'd wake up in the middle of it and it would just be like, yeah. And I was yeah. just like, what the yeah. fucking Jesus Christ? Yeah. Like right in the middle of like the um like stop motion, like claymation yeah. part. Yeah. And it would just like that there's a sweet spot of evil dead that is kind of fucking horrifying. And yeah, no, I I'm, love that. Oh, I'm not saying evil dead isn't scary. Me neither. I just want to talk about that. Oh, okay. Part. Okay. Yeah. Just make I, did, I didn't think that at all. I just wanted to bring that up. I like that. There, there are multiple ways to scare people. And well, yeah. the thing, I guess the thing with like the conjuring is it's trying to be like tension and release. But the thing is, is it feels for me like, first of all, like, the the amount of ghosts and ghouls like the crooked man and like the dude in the tv oh, and like so uh, yeah it just didn't do anything for me it was like to me it was like i was just getting into the seeing how people can express themselves and this was an exciting way that someone was expressing yeah. their filmmaking and i was like oh, i don't know it just in the same way how I like Marilyn Manson. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? That's how I like The Conjuring too. Whereas like this thing is expressing itself and it's getting, it's taking chances. That's how I like, like something to go back to Bill Burr's new stand-up special mm-hmm. that he came out, Walk Your Way Out. Easily less laughs like per minute, but the most articulated and the most chance-taking one he's had and it's really you really watched him like grow as a comedian in if you go from like the first one that he mm-hmm. has to that one you know mm-hmm. if you go from like you people are all the same or why do i do this all the way to that one it's like oh shit yeah like just and then the one before that he did in black and white i forget the name of that one right now walk your way out no the one right before that he did one at madison square garden in black oh, yeah, and white yeah. and it was 
fucking hilarious, but it was like black and white. It was kind of different. And it was mm. like, this dude's taking chances to me. Conjuring 2 took some chances and I really liked them. And that's what I like about that. And uh, with that, we're going to play you um, Church Mouse's haircut as the outro song because I love it so much. And oh, I no. really, really want everyone to hear it. Um, not going to play it live. I'm going to add it in later. So sorry, guys. But please, since you're possibly going to forget to check it out, I'm going to yeah. make you listen to it anyway. You're going to see what a fantastic If you're still listening, I genuinely am so appreciative because <laughs> this was a really, really off the cuff, weird conversation, drunk and it's fun, ram- yeah. meandering, rambling. So thank you. My last two have been like a little drunk. <laughs> Please don't hold me to any of the shit I said. I'm drunk. <laughs> Amen. See you guys later. <laughs> Love you guys. En- Bye. En- enjoy haircut. Bye. Cause I've been feeling like garbage for a couple of months Thought that it may help me feel better Because I've been in such a terrible slump But that's just the beginning now Next I should probably discover a job Cause I took my first depression nap in years Which means I'm probably overdue for a talk I was addicted to feeling as sad as I could Always concocting excuses to avoid feeling good Or it's been getting sleep and watching too much TV Now the time I declare that this coward in me Yeah, then I got some new pants They help me feel like I am not so bad Yeah, then I called a gym up so I could finally spend some time on my ass Yeah, then I bought some new shoes They're comfy and stable and they're good for my back Yeah, now I'm trying to eat right Cause I've decided I will get on track I was addicted to feeling as sad as I could Always concocting excuses to avoid feeling good Always been cheating, sleeping, watching too much TV Now's the time I declare that this coward ain't there I was addicted to feeling as sad as I could Always concocting excuses to avoid feeling good Always been cheating, sleeping, watching too much TV Now's the time I declare that this coward ain't there Excuses to avoid feeling good Always been cheating, sleeping, watching